podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and this is my Tech Guy podcast. This show originally aired on the Premier Network's Saturday, February 29th, 2020. This is episode 1,673. Enjoy. The Tech Guy podcast comes to you from Twit's LastPass Studios. You're focused on security, but are your employees? LastPass can ensure they are by making access and authentication seamless. Visit lastpass.com slash twit to learn more. Well, hey, 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 how are you today? Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. Yeah, it's time to talk computers, the internet, home theater, digital photography, smartphones, that's popular. Smart watches, maybe a little less popular. 8888-ASK-LEO is my phone number if you want to talk high tech. I'd love to talk it with you. 8888-ASK-LEO. Used to be high tech was kind of a side you know, street and alley in the general world conversation. These days, it's kind of more important, isn't it? As we all carry around supercomputers in our pockets, constantly connected to one another via the Internet. Even in our home, we're surrounded by computers, not just uh, Amazon Echo devices or TV sets with computers built in, but microwave ovens, refrigerators, <laughs> security systems everywhere, everywhere around us. We've got computers. And that's so that's what this show is about, is this changing landscape. Used to be it's just a show for hobbyists geeking out over there. <laughs> I got the latest 8086. <laughs> Actually, it was never like that, but <laughs> it could have been easily. To a conversation really about the way uh, the world is today. That's really what this show is about. 888-827-5536. For instance, COVID-19, the coronavirus. Uh, huge impact uh, on the world, but also on the technology sphere. Factories in China closing. Conferences called off. Uh, game Developers Conference, big conference which is coming up uh, next month, is has been postponed now from... Uh, Next month to summer, because nobody wants to travel. I don't blame them. Especially conferences where you get people from all over the world. It seems the risk seems higher. I don't know if it is, but it seems higher. Sony had already bowed out. A number of companies had already bowed out. So I think it makes sense to just say, yeah, maybe we should do this another time. This follows on the heels of the big smartphone conference, Mobile World Congress. That canceled last month. <clears throat> I guess it's still this month, isn't it? Yeah. Amazon is restricting employee travel in the U.S. Google is restricting employee travel to countries where coronavirus has been seen. A Google employee in Switzerland just got diagnosed with COVID-19. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. So, uh, yeah, we're all, we're all, and of course the stock market plummeted this week. That's kind of a peripheral conversation, but certainly one to pay attention to. Uh, good news from the Federal Communications Commission, which has been slow to regulate the telecommunications industry for some time, partly because the people who come, who run the FCC often come from the telecommunications industry. FCC Chairman Ajit Pai, former Verizon lobbyist. But, you know, sometimes you got to do something. The big cell phone companies uh, 
got dinged for sharing our location information, location information provided by this smartphone. You know, it's basically a tracking device in your pocket. And they were giving it to bounty hunters and, you know, anybody who could pay, really. I mean, I think they, they tried to make it be, you know, law enforcement related, but I don't know if they did such a good job. I think they were also selling it to marketing firms. FTC is pro proposing $200 million in fines, $91 million on T-Mobile, $57 million for AT&T, $48 million for Verizon, and $12 million for Sprint. So good. Good. You know what? Good. It's not, it's not a... It's not a good thing. Follow us around with our phones. Clearview AI, that's the face recognition company that uh, they said for the longest time, oh, we're, we're, only, uh, we're only selling our technology to law, law enforcement. It's only for law enforcement, nobody else. Well, maybe <laughs> it seems to be that uh, others are using it including some commercial entities. The reason we might know this, or we think this is the case, is because Clearview AI, which holds billions and billions of face images scraped from Facebook and other places, Twitter, anywhere you might have posted a picture of yourself, they scraped it and attached any identifying information. Facebook said, knock it off. Clearview AI said, this is public information. They apparently have such a good database, they have a very high, like 99% hit rate. If you give them a picture of somebody, they could say, oh, yeah, that's Leo. Oh, yeah, here's about 20 other pictures of him. Macy's has also used it. See, what happened is <laughs> Clearview AI, we are only giving this to law enforcement, got hacked. Oopsie. So first of all, there's a couple of issues that come up when, when someone like this gets hacked. What did they get? Did they get all that biometric information? Clearview says no, but who knows? What they did get is a list of customers, a big, long list of customers. 2,288 law enforcement agencies, companies, and institutions, including the Department of Justice. Okay, fine. Half a million searches. Okay, fine. But there's some other names in this hacked database of... of uh, Customers Now, Clearview says, well, you can't trust this. It's illegally obtained. Maybe. And who knows? But uh, BuzzFeed, which has gone through this hacked list, found Walmart, Macy's, and the NBA, as well as uh, ICE and the Justice Department and all those law enforcement agencies in there. Customs and Border Protection, Interpol. <sighs> And all over the world. They also said, oh, no, we're only looking at customers in the U.S. and Canada because we can trust them. Well, turns out <clears throat> they've been aggressively pursuing clients in law, retail, banking, gaming in Europe, South America, Asia, Pacific, and the Middle East. You know, <laughs> if there's a dollar to be made, there I'm not surprised, are you? Three billion photos in their database from Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and uh, and it turns out this company's pretty much given it to anybody who, who can pony up. Why is that a bad thing, you might ask? Well, it's hard to change your face. So, <clears throat> and, you know, 
it, if you're out in public, always it's been assumed that you know you you're out in public. If somebody recognizes you, you can't stop that. Problem is with technology, cameras, databases, these giant databases. You know, it's not like some cop standing on a street corner looking for bad guys anymore. It's uh, cameras everywhere, scanning. Even the London police now, the Metropolitan Police say, yeah, we're going to turn on these cameras four hours a day. We're going to scan them looking for bad guys. Hey, you! <laughs> so they don't sound like that. But they have, I'm sure, a much posher accent. But <laughs> they don't sound like Dick Van Dyke and Mary. Mary Poppins! Uh... <laughs> Nevertheless, that's concerning because it's just like a casting a giant fishing net. And one of the problems with face recognition is it does a terrible job on people of color. Lots of false positives because this is something to be aware of with artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is only as good as the data that has been used to train it. If you trained a chess-playing computer only with terrible games... No, no games by grandmasters, it would play a terrible game of chess. It can only learn from what it sees. If, and this apparently is the case often, you train face recognition with a bunch of white people, white men, for instance, it's not going to do as well with people of color or women. And when it doesn't do as well, and especially if the law enforcement community is using it, that could mean, hey, there's a bad guy. It happens all the time. He looks just like the guy who robbed that bank, except he doesn't, but he might get arrested anyway. So what are you going to do? I mean, uh, I doubt the FCC will swoop in on this one. Twitter is under assault from a uh, hostile, sometimes they, uh, what do they call these, uh, these guys? Um, hostile shareholders, activist investors, that's the term, activist. A company called Elliott Management has taken a, quote, size, according to Bloomberg, I don't know what sizable stake in Twitter is, but a big chunk of Twitter, and now they're trying to get rid of the CEO. They're not the only ones. Jack Dorsey, who is the CEO of Twitter, is under a lot of attack from everybody, left, right, center, up, down, for doing a terrible job, for not innovating, for not improving the value of the company. Actually, Dorsey came back as CEO. He was one of the original founders. He came back as CEO in July 2015, almost five years ago. Stock has fallen 6.2%. Their rival social network, Facebook, has gone up 121%. So that's, you know, that's the kind of, that's the kind of thing um, investors don't like. They don't like to see that. It's all about money. They don't, they don't care. They don't care about anything else. They don't care. Oh, you're a bad citizen. You know, I mean, I have to say my big problem with Twitter is it just makes it possible for people to do drive-bys all the time. Remember when Robin Williams passed away? His poor daughter was assaulted effectively, assaulted by trolls on Twitter, which did very little to stop it. Uh, so much so that she had to actually uh, abandon the platform. And, and I feel bad for her. But it's, and you know, maybe she got a little help because she is a celebrity after all, her daughter of a celebrity. But there's plenty of other normal people who are bullied, assaulted, trolled all the time on Twitter, and Twitter doesn't care. Free speech! Free speech! Nazis, all sorts of stuff. Free speech! 
So maybe it's time to replace. I don't know. Maybe it's time to replace. 8888, ask Leo the phone number. Website, by the way, techguylabs.com. That's free, wide open. Please use it. Everything we talk about goes right there. It's a miracle. Here she is again, the lovable Kimmy Schaffer. Kimmy, don't take no Schaffer. She's the unbreakable phone angel. Happy Leap Day. Oh, right. This is the 29th. It's the 29th. We Happy really Leap Day. Four years. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, uh, what is that? You know, if you were born on the 29th, I guess the kid's born today. Deal. Yeah. 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 Or, uh, I heard a story on the radio about a set of twins born 11 minutes apart and one on the 28th and one on the 29th. Oh, so one of them will be four years older than the other. Right. <laughs> or no, four times older than the other. Wow. That was, uh, wasn't that in uh, Gilbert and Sullivan, Pirates of Penzance? That was the whole deal. Oh, really? Yeah. It's complicated plot point <laughs> not worth repeating at this point <laughs> how are you are you uh, sick you feeling okay no, how's your temperature I, we're going to put a little temperature probe aimed at your seat from now on i am sneezing my head off but it's just due to all that yellow stuff Yeah, me too there. i think the pollen yeah, yeah I just me too washed a bunch of it off my car window this morning yeah so. oh good so you know it's true yeah oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, we're in. We're having an early spring here in Northern California yeah, I because was at the beach on Tuesday. I know it's warm and nice, and actually, it's all over the country. There's kind of a was a heat wave. Hmm. 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 Do you feel like we're like um, like this is the Walking Dead episode minus one? Like we're just we're waiting. <laughs> this is uh, I am Legion. Like the before picture, like we're just waiting for the apocalypse. No, I, I, they say the we flu, may all get it. The flu kill more people every year. I, I it don't does, know. Maybe but I only because it's more enough. widespread. It turns out the death rate in the flu is you know one twentieth that of. I don't want to scare people with coronavirus. But it's not you know it's not no don't worry about it. I'm not going to worry about it. I think it's prudent not to. Uh, you know, travel a lot right now. Yeah. I don't think I'd be signing up to go to China or Italy anytime soon. Well, you can't. Okay. And the White House has <laughs> announced new travel restrictions on oh. South Korea, Iran, Italy. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And as, as you know, new cases uh, occur, um, I think more countries will be banned. I think if you had a travel planned in the next couple of months, you might. Yeah, I'm glad I don't. Yeah. I am going to St. Louis next week for uh, Say hi to my friend. an event, <laughs> and then uh, we have a trip planned to Germany in June. I hope that's still on. Oy. Oh, yeah, Oy. that's a little close. caramba. So, <clears throat> never mind. Let's not talk about it. Let's. <laughs> you ever hear the phrase "whistling past the graveyard"? Isn't mm. that a good phrase? It's it's when you just go. <whistles> oh, nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. <laughs> Well, I, I advise you to not look at your retirement or any investments oh, right now. Oh, I know. That's uh, depressing. Yeah. I lost $30,000 in one day. I lost <laughs> you don't want to. Yeah, you don't want to even think about it. So let's take a call. Let's take a call. Uh, Bill in Santa Clarita. He wants to thank you, so let's start oh, on, a, uh, on a positive note. Thank you. 
Thank line you, four, line four. Kim Sheffer. <laughs> Hello, Bill. Hi there. Can you hear me? I hear you. Yes, I'd like to thank you. Um, when I was on your show talking about the phone wallet, oh that yeah, had, yeah. Um, I've got a lot of interest in it. Um, you remember I I told you that my website was bikegripboard.com, <laughs> and I was at Willie Boy six seven eight when I talked to you. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm amazed Kimmy's there. Uh, you know I watch. Are you just uh, are you just looking for another ad? No, no. Um, <laughs> I've got I've got companies now looking at it because what, of your show. Yeah. What is? I don't remember. What is this you selling? It's a phone wallet. What it's is? A, it's a it's a patent application that has three sections that opens up like a regular three piece wallet. Yeah. Into either a smartphone. Or a small tablet. Now, it doesn't have a film that's going to scratch, and it can be used by any smart company. For This is not your only invention. I see you have a, 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 a kind of a, a kickboard thing, too. It's a it's a bodyboard that's going to make, hopefully, the best new bodyboard for the beach. It has a handlebar, and <laughs> I have a bunch so of... So, are you, have you been doing this your whole life, inventing things? Are you an inventor? I actually, my first invention was when I was five years old. I'm, I was in Canoga Park at that elementary school right there on Topanga. Yeah. I'm the kid that put the, the blocks across the jungle gym. <laughs> and someone, some guy saw it and he stole my idea and he put little grip things that go around the I park. wish we could, uh, I wish we could, har you know, harness your brain. Because that's what we need is more creativity and innovation. Bill, it's a pleasure to talk to you. I'll give you a plug. Bikegripboard.com. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. We'll talk home theater right after this. I don't think he was ever on the show, but that was that was a clever, uh, a clever ploy, a clever ruse. Uh, do you remember it, Kim? I don't remember no, it. No, I do not remember No, I don't remember the phone wallet. <laughs> I want to thank you because thousands are coming to my website by com <laughs> to buy the phone wallet. <laughs> he practiced that one for a you while. Can't, you can't, I can't knock him. The, the guy's got what we call moxie. moxie. You got moxie, kid. Chutzpah. Yeah, no, that's fine. It's, fun, it's funny. Can I get my code of <laughs> It's time. For the singing home theater geek, Scott Wilkinson is <laughs> a contributor at TechHive.com. He joins us every week to talk home theater, the big screen TVs, the surround sound. I have to say, with the with, with fears about coronavirus, I remember hearing, I was too young to actually be there, I'd be hearing when polio was rampant in the U.S. in the 50s, people didn't go to public swimming pools, they didn't go to movies, they stayed home. Yeah. Nowadays, staying home doesn't mean you don't get, you know, movie quality entertainment. In fact, I <laughs> honestly think it you might be better in might, some cases than be going out to the movies. I'll yeah. give an example. We really wanted to see 1917, and everybody said, "I'll see it in a Dolby Atmos theater with a big mm -hmm. screen. It's gonna, it's mm -hmm. an amazing, uh, big cinematic picture. experience." Yeah. You really want to see now? We didn't get to. I'm sorry to say, we didn't get around to it. So, but I will watch it in our home theater on my 4K HDR with my surround sound system. And I bet I'll get 80% of the experience without the sticky floor and the <laughs> stale popcorn smell and all of that. A kid kicking the back of your seat. Yeah. So, I, how much am I giving up? 
Oh, probably something in that particular case. I mean, there are some cinematic experiences that you really want in a big theater. That rumbling sound. Well, if you have a good subwoofer, you'll get that anyway. Yeah, I do. But my, my actually, I have to fix it because my it's so rumbly that my wall shakes and pictures go rattling. <laughs> <laughs> to fix that. So, yes. and and how about like if I have a four K HDR screen, I think the picture is going to be probably better than I would see in most theaters, right? Yes, it will. That's correct. Uh, unless you go to a Dolby Cinema, and I don't know if nineteen seventeen was was mastered in Dolby vision hdr for a dolby cinema theater if it was that's absolutely where i would go see it yeah uh, yeah if you have because, the chance of course yeah 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 but otherwise uh you'll you'll get a better viewing experience at home so uh, i while i would I, I agree and i wanted to see it in the theater since i didn't it's not the end of the world no i will no. uh, we'll we'll enjoy it at home and the other problem is and i bet you a lot of people with this lisa she, we watched we watched a movie last night we watched uh Adam Sandler's Uncut Gems, which is actually quite a good mm, movie. For, I've heard it's very good for an Adam Sandler movie, and yeah, right. uh, he's not Adam Sandler in it. He's a he's a he's much better. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it's two hours, and she said, "Oh, I hate two hour movies." I said, "But that's the normal length. The normal length of a movie, <laughs> and some of them are much longer. But yeah. it's kind of better at home because you can pause it, you can get up, you can, you can pause, walk around, yeah. you can even watch right. the second half tomorrow. And yeah. I'm sure filmmakers hate that." But for yeah. for us viewers, eh, it's kind of a better experience. So today we want to talk about 8K. Yes. So you and I have talked about 8K many times. And now the, the standard is 4K. And you, you, you can't walk into a TV, uh, into a Best Buy or a, any store and, and not buy a 4K, essentially, except at the very low end. Now the TV makers are coming out with 8K TVs. Holy mackerel. And, and that's going to come down uh, in into the mid-range very soon, I'm sure. The, the TV makers led the way to 4K, and they're also leading the way to 8K. But the question is, can you really see a difference? Once the, the resolution gets beyond a certain point, can humans even see the difference? So what are we looking for? We're looking so that we don't see the pixels, the screen door effect, where you can Correct. actually you see don't the wanna, dots. You don't want to be able to see the pixels. If you can't and, see the pixels, is there anything more that we're going to get from it? No, not really. Um, Warner Brothers did a fascinating study. I, I think I told you last week I was at the uh, Hollywood Professionals yeah. Alliance uh, conference yeah. in Palm Springs. And yeah. one of the presentations was by Warner Brothers. And they did a really interesting study of 4K versus 8K. And I wrote about it on TechHive. And I encourage people to go check it out because it, it was a very involved, very detailed, very carefully done study where they showed seven clips, like 10-second clips from a variety of, of things. A couple of clips from Dunkirk. We were speaking of war movies. There's one. Um, something from A Bug's Life and something from Brave, two animated movies. And these clips were actually rendered at 8K. Uh, Dunkirk was scanned at 8K from 70-millimeter film. So the film uh, has that resolution. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And 70-millimeter film does. 35-millimeter yeah. film, questionable. Probably not, but... 70 millimeter film certainly does. Um, and uh, Stacy Spears uh, footage that he shot in 8K on a red digital camera. And they took these clips. They have them in native 8K. They down converted them to 4K using a industry standard software package called Nuke. And then interestingly, they had to re-upscale it back up to, four, up to 8K. But <laughs> 
in a very special way so that really it was 4K. They, they took every pixel in the 4K image and basically duplicated it four times. So the pixels were larger, uh, but they had to it all had to be in 8K so the TV, which they showed it on, didn't do HDMI hiccups and right. and all of a sudden display, oh, now I'm looking at 4K and oh, right. now I'm looking at 8K. Go back and forth, it was, yeah. It was a double-blind study. Nobody knew what which version was being played. And they brought in, uh, and it was all played on a, a LG 8K 88-inch OLED TV. Beautiful TV. I reviewed it uh, last year and it's mm. gorgeous. Mm. And then they brought in 139 people from the industry, you know, and they even tested their vision. Uh, <laughs> before so the, beforehand? Before the test, All yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> sure. so every, and mo the vast majority had 2020 or better okay. vision. Okay. And they showed them these clips in very random order. And they found, and then they tabulated all the results. So they asked them to say, you know, okay, which one is better, A or B? So in uh, effect, they're how, looking at clips in 8K and 4K. Correct. On the same TV, in on sequence, same, in an yep. unknown order. Correct. Correct. Exactly right. And then they scored them, what was A or B slightly better, better, or much better. Mm -hmm. And then they tabulated the results. And the, the average over everything, over all participants, was it was <laughs> what they called marginally slightly better, 8K was. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if slightly better was valued at one, the maximum value that, that they got from the average was 0.25. So okay. it was a quarter of slightly better. In other words, then, it's just other words, flip a coin. Really. It's not. Yeah, yeah. Another very interesting uh, statistic or, or data crunching that they did was they showed the number of responses that said 4K was better, 4K is the same as 8K, or 8K is better. And I was amazed at how many people judged 4K better than 8K. And I asked one of the study authors, uh, Michael Zink, he's a VP of technology at Warner Brothers, and he said, well, I think that's mostly because they were guessing and they couldn't really see the difference. <laughs> so now the interesting thing was people with 2010 vision, which is better than 2020, right? Sitting in the front row, oh, that really is five, close, okay. five feet from the from the screen. Yeah, they had slightly better results on on being able to tell that that 8K, but was, not a lot better. But not a lot better. No. Wow. No. What about the theory, and we've talked about this before, that there's something ineffable that you can't measure, that you just, it, it feels more real? I yeah. guess this proves that's not the case. That's exactly right. This is a very well-controlled, very well-done study that disproves that hypothesis. It reminds me of music, where people with golden yep. ears say, I can hear yep. the difference with those yep. special cables or that special turntable yep. or yep. you know, high resolution. And, and you do an A-B test, it's very hard yes. to, to do that. You've done Very that. hard to tell. Yeah. Yes. It's a, I would love to see more studies done on that. Uh, doing, it, doing it with cables is very difficult because you have to swap yeah, them yeah, in yeah, and out. Yeah. It takes yeah. some time. Uh, designing a well uh, well done study for that is is very hard. Well, you can do it with high res audio. Mark Mark Waldrop is doing it on realaudio-hd.com. People can participate. Oh, good. Realaudio-hd. So, hd.com. Yeah. If golden eyes 
Scott Wilkinson can't tell the difference. And golden-eared Scott Wilkinson. Then I think no one can. Scott, home theater geek. Read his article, techhive.com. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Oh, that's so, it's so, what a coincidence, because that's one of the... I know, that's what you're saying. How important is 4K, yeah. So we'll have Scott go, no! Maybe we'll add an echo. (laughs) No! (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. All right, I... Now, you notice I've lost... Lisa wanted the surface that I was using for that. So I've temporarily... I'll figure out a way to do it. Lost the uh, the little clock here. But I will give you the clock in the double <coughs> box. So oh, okay. Can... Thank you. By the way, I, I made I made a mistake on that, on that uh, on Mark Waldrop's website. And I'm sorry oh, about shoot. that. I'll fix it. What is it? It's Real HD-Audio. Real HD-Audio. Okay, yes. Cool. RealHD-audio.com. All right. And he's got a, you know, he's, you can go there and download a bunch of high-res audio tracks that have been down-converted to CD quality. Nice. And, and, and labeled, you know, that you don't know which is which. And you listen to them on your system and you can respond back. And he's gotten like 700 downloads and 200 uploads, 200 responses. So, He's uh, he's doing a good study there. I did it at, at AVS several years ago with him and found that um, people without systems capable of reproducing high-res audio got correct rates at 50%, just what you'd expect from random chance. But people with systems that were capable of high-res reproduction got correct rates at 80%. Wow. Now, I only had 50 responses, so it wasn't statistically significant. His is much more so. Where is it on? I'm looking at the page. Real HD-audio. Yeah. Uh, it's should not, be, let's see, where is it? Formats, um, Dr. AIX's tests. Uh, yeah, posts? Dr. AIX's tests. No, posts, posts, not oh, tests. Posts, sorry. Okay. Um, sorry, sorry. Formats. Let's see, where would it be? Tech Talk, maybe it's there. Maybe it's there. Hmm. I'm sorry I didn't look that up more carefully. Well, it came off the top of your head because I threw that it at did, you. It did. It did. Um, Under a user's guide to better sound, would that be it? Ah, here it is. Listening to Dynamic Music HD Audio Challenge 2. Okay. So under Tech Talk. It is under Tech Talk. one, okay. two, three, fourth one down. Okay, I'll put that in our show notes. Oh, here it is. Yeah. Okay. Good. So... Yeah, because the I don't know why he's is... calling it the lis- listening to dynamic music. It should be listening to high res music. Can you tell them apart? Yep. There we go. P six seven four nine. What? It's the article link is P equals six seven four nine. Oh well, bummer. Oh, I hate that. I know. All right, it's not his fault. It's just his software's fault. Hmm. <sighs> <clears throat> and I do encourage people to go to go read my article on Tech Hive about Good. 8K versus 4K. I, I will uh, I will put that uh, in the um, the the uh, Ask the Tech Guy too. That'll drive some traffic. Great, so, yeah, great, yeah. great, great. You see it on Tech Hive. Yes. It's at the top of the page. I see it right here. Yeah, double blind study by Warner Brothers. Yep. So that's good. I'm going to use that in the. Uh, that's excellent. And the Ask the Tech Guy. Ask the excellent. Tech Guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good deal. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got we got tweeted out by David Katzmeyer at CNET, too, so I'm real happy about really? that. Really? For yeah. what? For this article. Oh, nice. Yeah. 
So let's see. Yeah, Dunkirk, two clips from Dunkirk, Brave and A Bug's Life. <laughs> the Amazon series called The Tick. Do you remember that? Yeah, the tick. Yeah, the tick. I, I never saw it. I, I I'm going to go back and watch it because I really it's pretty liked good. It. Yeah, the animation, I, the yeah. animated version. I really liked it. it was hilarious. And Stacy Spears' uh, footage is really good. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Ask Leo the phone number. Micah in Maine. Hello, my friend Micah. Hello, Leo. So great to talk to you. Great to talk to you. Got it. Got a question for you. I finally want to get my own uh, domain and I want to get my own uh, uh, email address because eventually, with all this 5G going on, I'm going to be able to get rid of Spectrum and won't that be a Oh, yeah. People often, it's convenient, it's easy, use their internet service provider's provided email as their email address. But then they're really locked in. Of course, internet service providers want you to be locked in. They don't want you going to a competitor. So if your email address is micah at spectrum.net, um, great, except you can never change your provider. <laughs> exactly. So, so this is wise to plan for this. Yeah, I figure it's going to be a couple of years. So I, I, I went to Hover because that's who you recommend, and I'm, and I'm probably going to get my domain through them. And I know they offer email, um, but I'm not, I remembered you talked about other email providers yeah, let me, other than Hover. Let me give you the, best, what you think. the best way to do this uh, is to make a custom domain, a custom email address for yourself. That way it can be a vanity domain, you know, Micah's email or something like that. I have a vanity email domain. There is actually a .email extension now. The only drawback to it is some older, you know, password managers or webs, not managers, but password things on websites don't like that email address. They say, oh, give us a real one. No, that's a real one, you dope. They want .com or .net, I guess. But I think we'll see that less and less over time. But you can get a .com. You can get a .net. You can get whatever you want. You went to Hover. So the key is, first of all, to register a domain name. Uh, you know, LaporteFamily.com, for instance. Then I could be Leo at LaporteFamily.com. That, that's a custom address. The key here is... The place you register the domain name, and in your case it's Hover, but wherever you go to do that, Google has domains. There's lots of places you can go to get domains. Uh, does not have to host the email. What you're going to do is have anything that comes to Micah at MyMail.com be redirected to another email provider, which for now can be Spectrum. There's no reason you couldn't. You can redirect it to any email provider. You may want to move somewhere else. It could be Gmail. That's free. Uh, I mentioned Fastmail. I love Fastmail. You can use Fastmail. Actually, you can do this all with Fastmail, but I generally don't recommend that you get the domain from the same place providing the email. That's still coupling these two together, right? What you'd like to do is completely decouple your email address from whoever's serving the email or hosting it or receiving it. And you can do that because... The way the uh, host names work, you can say there's a, it's kind of complicated for me to describe it on the radio, but there's a way to change the settings in a host name to say, when mail comes, send it here. And most companies will provide that for free. Some provide, Hover, for instance, charges $5 a year, which is close to free. Um, but in many cases, you can, if you know what you're doing, you just change what's called the MX record on the domain settings to point to your server 
your new email server, and it's done. Fastmail will give you instructions on how to do that. It's not complicated. Um, so what you can do is sign up for an email account. Let's say you're going to use Gmail because that's free. You're going to sign up for a domain name that's your whatever vanity name you want. That's going to be yours for life, by the way. And that's the beauty of this. Let's say Google goes out of business, just blows up, Gmail's gone. Doesn't matter because you can have your email go anywhere you want. You just change a setting in your name, your domain name. So let's say you got Micah's Mail. You got Micah at Micah'sMail.com. Uh, you, you can get that from Hover. You can get that anywhere. It can be anything you want. I have a variety of domain names. Some have to do with email. Some don't. Um, it's actually a good idea. Well, let me first tell you how to do this, and I'll talk about some of the things you might look for. So once you set up that domain name, you'll then check the documentation provided by the hosting company like Hover or Google Domains or GoDaddy or whoever it is you did this with about email. GoDaddy, as an example, will say, we'd like to host your email. We'd like to be your email provider. I wouldn't do that. I would go with somebody whose only business is email. And there are lots of choices out there. Um, I, again, I use Fastmail. But what you're going to look for on GoDaddy or Hover or Google Domains is the instructions for how to point your domain name to that email server. In some cases, it will be as complicated, as I said, as changing the MX record. In some cases, they will do it for you for $5 a year. That's Hover. In any event, it's now forwarding. And so you can change that forwarding at any time. So you don't really care where your email is stored. Your, your people sending you email don't have to know that. They're going to be sending to the custom domain that you set up. And that can be yours for life. I've, I've had a custom domain, leoville.com, since the 90s. And, you know, mail going to that does not, in fact, go to leoville.com. There's no server there. It get bounced, gets bounced off over to a fast mail. So that's what I would recommend. It's a little complicated, I do think it's worth doing. You can do Gmail with a custom domain name. You can do any mail server with a custom domain name. Because what you're going to end up doing, let's say you did it at Hover. You're going to end up saying, well, my, my public domain name, micahsemail.com, points over to micah127934 at gmail.com. And that's all you have to do. You don't have to do any settings at Gmail or anything like that. The mail will go to that. What's interesting is Gmail will preserve the original address. Now, I said I would say some other things you might want to look for. I like the ability to create an infinite number of addresses. So a good email company will allow you to do that. You can have anything that goes to micahsemail.com all go to this Fastmail, for instance. That's where I do it. And Fastmail, you can tell Fastmail when you set it up, and by the way, no matter what is before the at sign, I want it to go to this mailbox. Then you can run filters that say, well, so when I sign up, when I sign up for an account with Verizon, for instance, I gave them the email address Verizon at LaporteFamily.com. Verizon at LaporteFamily.com. Anything that goes to LaporteFamily.com goes to Fastmail. And I have a rule at Fastmail that says if it's Verizon, put it in the Verizon folder. So this gives you very a couple of benefits. One is better filtering, so you don't your inbox isn't jammed with everything. You go to the Verizon folder to see any communications from Verizon, for instance. It also tells you if Verizon ever sells my email address, because if I started getting ad uh, advertisements for blankets at Verizon, 
at LaporteFamily.com, then I know they sold my address to some blanket company. So all of that's fairly useful. So you're going to look for an email provider that let you use an in, as ideally an infinite number of addresses. Uh, Fastmail will do that. And uh, you're, it's a little, I have to say this is a little tricky. Uh, if it all sounds too complicated, then go to GoDaddy or you went to Hover and use their email service. And then it's painless. You're paying for it, but it's painless. Does that all make sense, well, Mike? I know that's kind of make, complicated. It does make sense. And, and, and Fastmail was, was what I wanted to know about because yeah. that's what I'm going to look at. I into. love Fastmail. What you can yeah, do yeah. is you can get an account at, at Hover. But have Fastmail handle the domain name resolution. And by doing that, your email will come from micasemail.com. And will be uh, Fastmail, they're such a good provider, they do uh, email authentication using DKIM and SPF and DMARC. And, and that will automatically be provided. You can set that up as well. And all of that is very powerful. It does take... I have to say, it's this is a black diamond tip. This is for, you know, your advanced skiers, but uh, it, it does so. It takes a little effort, but it is well worth it. And the nice thing is, once you've set it up, you only give out from now on. There's only one email address anybody's ever going to get, and I can have it go to anywhere I want. I have much more control. This is really important to have that kind of control. Thank you, Mike. It's a it's a good question. I realize it's a little bit of a tricky subject. I think I might have to uh, do a special. We'll do. We have a show called "Ask the Tech Guy," where I take a question like this and spend more time on it with diagrams and, and illustrations. And I think this would be a good one. So we'll put that in the uh, "Ask the Tech Guy" uh, bin for uh, emails to be answered soon. Thank you, Micah. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. Let's take a break. News at the top of the hour. Then more of your calls right after this. Mr. Scott Wilkinson, I give you the floor, sir. Why, thank you so very much. My colleague from Southern California. Hi. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, Mike Heiss in the chat room wasn't at uh, HPA this year. Mike, really sorry that you weren't there because it was my first year. and would love to have shared it with you. I know you've been for many years. But in any event, um, he was wondering about displaying 4k on an 8k tv and i i kind of rushed through this on the in the segment on the radio show but um they went to great lengths to take the 8k native footage put it down to 4k using a very sophisticated downsampling algorithm much better than than any consumer would be able to get and then upscale that back again very carefully and I tried to explain this and probably didn't get through. Basically, they used a, uh, one of the Nuke filters called Cubic. And what that means is it, it took every pixel in the 4K uh, image and duplicated it four times, made basically one pixel out of, out of this one pixel, made four pixels that were the same, roughly. Uh, so the pixels were larger, which is what you'd expect on a 4K TV of the same size as the 8K TV uh, that they were looking at. Uh, if they had used two different TVs of different size so that the pixel density was the same, it would have been obvious which was which. Uh, and they really wanted to avoid any kind of bias. And, and I think they did a great job at it. So 
there were a couple reasons for, for doing that. One is they could play both 4K and 8K on the same screen. They could play 4K and 8K. As far as the TV was concerned, it was getting 8K all the time. And it wouldn't hiccup. Uh, normally, if you change resolutions by HDMI, the TV will hiccup. And it may very well display in the upper corner, uh, I'm now getting 4K. I'm now getting 8K. And so that would have been a dead giveaway and the, would have invalidated the test. So uh, I think they did a very good job of being able to compare 4K and 8K completely without revealing which was which. Uh, we did the same thing with the AVS test with I did with Mark Waldrop with high-resolution audio. Uh, we had some 4K – I mean, <laughs> thinking video here – uh, we had some some of his recordings at 2496. We downscaled them to uh, 16441 CD quality. We level matched those two files, and then we re-upscaled the four, the 20, the 16441 back up to 2496, so that again, basically, it was CD quality within a 2496 container. Likewise, at on this uh, Warner Brothers test, it was 4K within an 8K container uh, so that they would play seamlessly one after the other and you wouldn't be able to tell which was which um, other than hopefully by your ears or in the case of Warner Brothers, by your eyes. Uh, so I'm, I'm very convinced that, that they did an excellent job uh, of making this test as fair as possible. Now, one of the one of the folks at the HPA retreat came up with a great idea, uh, which would have been to do the same test and basically have two projectors projecting onto the same screen, one of which would be a 4K projector, and it, they, these would have to be native 4K, and, and a native 8K projector. And those do exist. They're very expensive. Uh, digital projection makes one. Uh, but it's probably six or seven figures. You know, it's super expensive. But if you had such a system, you could play native 4K on the 4K projector and native 8K on the 8K projector, and you just need to block one of them or the other from hitting the screen and compare them that way. I'm not sure that could be double blind because the person doing the blocking and unblocking of which projector to see would know which is which. So unless you could automate which projector was on the screen and which projector was blocked. And you could automate that in some random way that no one would know which was which. You couldn't rightly call it double blind. They did that with this test. They, they used a computer to completely randomize which uh, clips were being shown, 4K or 8K. Uh, and so no one, including the test administrators, knew which was which. That's truly double blind. Uh, <clears throat> so anyway, that it, it was a very interesting study that I felt, uh, deserved some, some, uh, exposure. And I'm really glad to have been able to give it that. Uh, let's see. Oh, and they also, Mike Heiss, uh, talking about a control, as you'll read in the article, they, they played each clip in three sequences, not not <laughs> sequential sequences. I, I didn't write that in the article. I didn't know quite how to do it. But basically, they had three sequences. 
in which they randomly assigned the 4K and 8K versions, the labels A and B. And then they, so they played A, B, A, B, and then you scored you in, in this scoring sheet. Then they went to another clip and they did the same thing. And each clip was done like that three times, non-sequentially. So you'd see clip one, you'd see Brave, and then you'd see Dunkirk, and then you'd see Stacy's footage, and then you'd see uh, Dunkirk again, and so on and so on. And one of those three... Ver one of those three sequences of each clip was 4K every time. So even though you saw A, B, A, B, they were identical. They were all 4K. So this was what was called a control group, which they did to uh, achieve what they called more robust statistics. And uh, I think that was an another excellent idea on their part. Uh, I'd love to run a an audio um comparison, blind, double-blind comparison in the same way. I think their methodology was excellent. And so doing the same thing with a group of people in a room with uh, 2496 and 40, 1644.1 uh, on a system capable of reproducing higher than 20 kilohertz and greater than 96 decibel uh, dynamic range in a room in which you could de detect greater than 96 dB uh, dynamic range, which isn't easy. It almost have to be in an anechoic chamber, not quite, but almost. So you would need very stringent uh, circumstances, a very carefully controlled environment uh, in order to make this a valid test. Uh, but I'd love to do it nonetheless. Uh, <laughs> key, 40, <laughs> key 43. If I could do it, I, I, I can be one of your test dummies, yes. <laughs> oh, if I did this test, which I doubt because it's too, too difficult, but if I did, I'd invite you all along. All right, Scotty, so. have a wonderful um, rest of your life. No, I'll see you, I'll see you next week. <laughs> see you next week. All right. It's not like, a, like a yearbook. Have a good yeah. life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're good. See you next week. <laughs> see you. Bye-bye. Well, hey, 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 how are you today? Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. Time to talk computers, the internet, home theater, digital photography, smartphones, smartwatches, you know, all that jazz. 8888-ASK-LEO is the phone number. 888-827-5536. I feel like I didn't really do a very good job explaining how to forward your email. It's kind of a complicated thing, isn't it? In general, the highlights, instead of using your ISP's domain name, you know, leo at comcast.net for your email address. The problem with that is, you know, you can't change ISPs. And uh, every time you go to, you know, if you let's say you move and you have to use a different internet service provider, suddenly your email address changes. You got to tell everybody. It's just a pain. But that's how we all started. I mean, my first email address was uh, leo laporte at crl.com, I think, because my internet service provider was CRL. Long gone. <laughs> the Couch Research Labs, long gone. But uh, uh, that was many moons ago. But I learned pretty quickly, and <clears throat> I think it was in 95 or 96, I uh, bought the domain name leoville.com. I wanted leo.com, but the Bank of Canada had it. 
I, <laughs> I wanted uh, Laporte.com. Somebody else had that. So I got Leoville.com. Not, I'm kind of embarrassed by it now. I mean, that was a long time ago. I was young and I needed the money. But I, uh, but it is, it is my domain name. And, and that's the email that's been on my business cards. That's the email I've been giving out for 25 years now. The thing is, it's it's goes to different places over those years. It's gone to different places, but I've never had to tell anybody anything of that. They just know, send me an address, at, uh, email at leoville.com, and I'll get it. Over time, what's happened is, uh, I think I was, I don't know who I was with uh, at first, but for a long time, I was with Google's Gmail. And all I did was I changed the settings at leoville.com, so that when you get email, go, send it to uh, the Gmail address. And that I did that because Google had the best anti-spam filtering. They still do. And they also have the best anti-malware filters. They're very good at filtering out ransomware, for instance. You know, if you use Gmail, you're very unlikely to get an email attachment that's malicious. They just announced they're going to start using AI because uh, bad guys have realized Google's filtering out their, uh, their email attachments. So they're starting to modify them slightly, trying to trick Google. And so Google's going to use AI to detect these. They change so rapidly. We'll see how well they do it. Right now, they say they're getting 80% of malicious attachments. So Gmail's a good choice, and it's free. But some people don't like the idea that Google might be reading your email or whatever. Um, so there are services you can pay for. Maybe you like the encrypted email services at ProtonMail or Tutanota. Maybe you... Uh, I My personal f favorite is FastMail because it's not free. In fact, it's a little expensive, but... I mean, not a lot. I just bought another three years for a couple hundred bucks, I think. So it's not horribly expensive. But I uh, I like them because they have very capable email servers with lots of features. And so when I went from Gmail to Fastmail, it was simple. It was a setting. At leoville.com, I said, instead of forwarding it to gmail.com, forward it to this address at fastmail.com. That's all. Everything, the mail continued. No problem. And in most cases, if you move providers, there is a way to get the email on the old server to the new server. That's something to keep in mind, especially if you're on an Internet service provider. They may not have a way to do that. Gmail does. Fastmail does. You're looking for an email provider that will give you the ability to move all your previous emails, too, because you'd like to take them with you, right? 8888-ASK-LEO, the phone number. I hope that helps. I realize I did such a terrible job. I made it much more confusing. Well, it is, unfortunately. Once you get to the details, it gets more confusing. But the 30,000-foot the level is probably enough. More appropriate for this show. Renisha is in Los Angeles. Our next call. Hi, Renisha. Hi. Hi. How are you? Well, I'm great. Thanks for hanging on. So, okay, so my question is, I recently purchased a EcoTank printer. From our fine my, sponsor, Epson, yes. Yes. So my issue that I have with the printer is when I print landscape, um, it doesn't dry quick enough, so it's dragging the ink across oh, the board. how awful. Yeah, so how do I prevent that from happening? Get different paper. Okay, different paper. So what, because what I'm printing on, it's a program for my wedding and it's Oh, how nice. Oh, that's why. Yeah. Cause the cardstock is, it's not absorbing into the cardstock. 
got it. Okay. So yeah. So the ink, you know, an all inkjet printers, I mean, ink has to be wet to flow. It's going through these nozzles. But they have a fast drying ink, but a lot of it is dependent on the paper and whether the paper absorbs the ink uh, and things like that. And so I think mm -hmm. that's the issue. Is and not only that, I think the other problem is cardstock is thick. Yes, correct. Yeah, so the head is closer to the cardstock. It probably mm -hmm. wouldn't drag if you were using a thinner paper. You might look for a thinner cardstock. That might work just fine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and Epson does have, and you might look at uh, the settings in your uh, print driver because Epson does have settings for different kinds of paper and they may have, I'm, I just don't know, a setting that says, look, it's thick cardstock and they might actually be able to move the head up or take it, do something to make that better, maybe pause between lines. But yeah, it's, yeah, that makes sense. You're printing on a thicker cardstock. The ink isn't getting, isn't drying as fast, but also, in fact, this may be the real problem. The head is closer to the paper because the cardstock's thick. So it is, it might be dragging across the, uh, across the ink. Check the print settings to see if you can change it to a different kind of paper. And congratulations, Renisha. That's awesome. Bill in La Jolla, California. Hi, Bill. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Oh, hi there. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Yes, I've been trying to call you for a couple of weeks, and I certainly appreciate your show. My pleasure. Thanks for calling. Well, good. I have an Inspiron Dell um, computer running under Windows 10. Yep. And I, and I use SyncToy to back up my data, and I do that twice a week, and I put one copy in the vault. Good man. Feel pretty safe there. Yep. But how do I back up the programs? Generally, you don't want to. And the reason is backing up the program is more than just getting the EXE program file. On Windows... Programs spew data all over the hard drive. There's DLLs in the Windows directory. There's registry changes. There's so much going on that I very few backup programs will back up the programs themselves. And almost always, my recommendation, if you're restoring from a backup, is to reinstall Windows from scratch and reinstall the applications from scratch. Okay. Having said that, I will tell you there is a kind of backup that will back up your entire installation, including Windows itself and the programs itself. That's called an image backup. Okay. And there are lots of companies that make image backups. That would be a separate kind of backup. In fact, I often say that that's a good backup to use in conjunction with a synchronizing backup like SyncToy. Because you're going to make, when you first install Windows, you're going to make an image when you... When you get all the apps and all the settings just right, you're going to make an image. It's like freeze-drying that entire installation into one file, which you can then quickly restore. But it only goes back to that point in time. So any changes you make after that, any files you add, any settings you change, you'll have to either do an ent another entire image backup or rely on SyncToy. So what I do is I do an image backup from time to time. Mostly okay, at the beginning. Months, maybe. Yeah. And then SyncToy gets the changes. And that way, when you do restore the image, you'll go back to that point in time three months ago. But you can use SyncToy to, or what, what you've synced to restore anything that's changed since. Ease US makes a very good free uh, image backup. E-A-S-E-U-S dot com. Um, I use something called Drive Snapshot, which is from drivesnapshot.de. Uh, there's also uh, from Terabyte, I think it's Terabyte Computing, there is a program called Disk Imager. 
um, that is also, that's what my friend Steve recommends and uses. So there's a number of very good uh, choices. Actually, it's Terabyte Drive Image Backup, and that's from TerabyteUnlimited.com. That, that's probably the easiest. None of those are free, by the way, except for EaseUS. But it's worth okay. it for 40 bucks. This is something you're going to use all the time. A good one will have a number of features like a, a, a little program that you... Because one of the problems with it, if you put a new hard drive in, do you have to install Windows and Drive Image to restore your image? That would be a pain. So almost all of these will have a little program you could put on a disk or a USB key that you can then restore the image. So you don't have to reinstall Windows before you can restore your Windows, which, if you think about it, would be kind of nutty. So uh, I guess Image for Windows, that's the one Steve Gibson recommends. Uh, t it's By the way, it's Terra, T-E-R-A, one R, B-Y-T-E, unlimited.com. We'll put a link in the show notes. TechGuyLabs.com. Good question. Good question. And you'll see most, when we talk about iDrive and other cloud backups, they won't back up programs or Windows itself either. It's just too hard to do that. In order to do that properly, uh, you need to back up everything, the whole drive. And that's a different matter than, than a cloud backup. I also think it's better, if you can to reinstall applications. Now, that used to be more of a pain when you had a separate serial number you had to store and a CD or a DVD you had to store and all of that. But nowadays, almost everything you install installs from the cloud. It's downloaded. So it's not such a big deal. Uh, you know, get a copy. You know, if I, had a, if I had to take the hard drive out of my computer right now, put a blank one in there, you can reinstall Windows pretty quickly. Microsoft, once you've installed Windows 10 on any machine, says, okay, you know, you don't need a serial number. And then use the Windows Store and, and various websites to restore your apps. That's pretty quick. In fact, there's a really nice program I use called Chocolatey. People have um, in the past used Ninite, N-I-I-N-I-T-E, Ninite, uh, N-I-N-I-N-I-T-E to install multiple apps at once. I like Chocolatey a little better. That's at C-H-O-C-O-L-A-T-E-Y dot org. It's free. And it is... One program that you can run a script to install all your reinstall all your programs, uh, which makes it very simple to set up a new install of Windows. I've used that uh, many times. I'll put links to both of those also in the show notes. Okay, enough show notes. Let's take a break. Our travel guru Johnny Jets ten minutes away. More of your calls coming up to eighty-eight eighty-eight. Ask Leah. Oh, I didn't see that. iDrive will also do imaging. I did not know that. How about that? That's a nice feature. I love it that the song says it was 20 years ago today. Sgt. Pepper taught the band to play, but <clears throat> two years ago they did the 50th. <laughs> anniversary of Sergeant Pepper came out in 1967. I guess that was three years ago. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Johnny Jett, our travel guy coming up. I guess we're going to have to talk about restrictions on uh, travel due to the coronavirus. Chatroom was talking about ordering technology. It's a good point. I didn't think about this, but because so many plants are shut down, and I think we're going to see more shutdowns rather than fewer it probably will be hard to get new 
computer gear get harder and harder to get it might be the t if you if you know you're going to need a new computer in the next six months might be now might be the time to get it. I ordered a a, a new Dell uh, XPS 13 on the 17th. They just shipped it. Uh, I think today. So I guess I'll get that one. But, you know, if you waited another few weeks, I don't know. Maybe they wouldn't be able to get the parts. I think they assemble those in the U.S., but they might not be able to get the parts to uh, ship them to you. It's shipping from City of Industry. It's not shipping from Shenzhen. You order new Apple gear, it's almost always shipping from China. That's going to be hard to get. Apple's expected in, in one month, March 31st, to announce new iPhones. Do you remember the iPhone SE? I know many of you use them because they're... A smaller, they're iPhone five sized, and they have, the, but they have modern guts, so you can use some modern operating systems and so so forth. A lot of people love that iPhone SE; it was a really a big bestseller. It's been a few years though, so it's expected Apple will announce a new four hundred dollar iPhone. Don't know what they'll call it. The rumors are, would it be bigger? It's not going to be as small as the uh, SE. It'll be iPhone six S size, I think, is what they're saying. Uh, but it'll have the modern A13 chip in it, the one that comes with modern iPhone 11. So that's, for a lot of people, that's something, you know, $400, well worth waiting for. But if they announce it March 31st, as rumored, will they be able to ship it? Those factories have been shut down for weeks and probably will stay shut down for some time to come. I don't know. Something to keep in mind, maybe if you... Uh, I don't know. I just don't know what the answer is. No one does. Because among other things, the rumors coming out of China is it's contained and going away. So maybe the factories will reopen. Maybe everything will be fine. We just don't know, do we? John in Long Beach, California. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, John. Hey, Leo. Uh, I'm a retired accountant that has a friend with a startup and he would like me to set up the financial end of his business. So what I'm looking for is someone who can remotely host a business that can remotely host the, the well-known well small business software that he uses. And also maybe would have some spot, some file space that, um, you know, where I could create files like maybe, oh, here's your Excel of your sales projections, et cetera, et cetera. And could be accessed from several different locations. Their current IT infrastructure at the small businesses, uh, they have Wi-Fi. And everybody's got a laptop. Typical Millennium group. <laughs> Do they use Windows? Yeah, uh, They will if I'm involved. Because <laughs> a lot of startups, you see a lot of glowing Apple logos. Um, yeah. yeah. I think for the business side, I'll be honest, what we do is uh, QuickBooks, which is online. Um that well, I see that. Yeah, I, I looked into that, but one, they, they, QuickBooks is actually the financial software I recommend, but they want the multi-user version, and they need a, uh, they need inventory, and that's not available in the online version. Oh, interesting. So they, so they want to use QuickBooks locally. Yeah, uh, yeah, but I mean, they hang it on whoever the whoever would control this server. They have the multi-user version, so they can get up to three. You know, they have up to three licenses to get in there, and uh, but they need. Uh, you know, be able to access it from anywhere, and, and the big bonus would be if I could access it from home rather rather than have to traipse into the office. I think my best recommendation is going to be Microsoft's own Azure service. I feel like that's going to be your best place to do all of that. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
It's, um, I mean, there are third parties that do it, but I think, for one thing, you want to, you can trust Microsoft, right? Yeah, well, I want backups and, and yeah. reasonable security. So, yeah, I, that sounds like... I think, I, I, I would unhesitatingly recommend looking at Azure, and they have, you know, all of their stuff is hosted, Exchange, SharePoint, um, I'm pretty sure you can run Windows software on Azure. I actually have never even thought of doing that, but I'm pretty sure you could. Most of the software is, is already on the PC. They would they're just hang, it'd be like hanging an Excel file. Yeah, oh, well, that for sure. Excel, for instance, will save to OneDrive, which is Microsoft's cloud service, by default. Yeah. That'll be its default, so it doesn't even save to the local hard drive. But you could also run virtual machines of Windows on Azure if you decided to have everything in the cloud. Then all they'd really need is, uh, you know, a thin client on their end to access all of that. So it's up to you, and it depends on, of course, their speed. But I would say Azure is secure, and that's a strong argument for it. Yeah, for financial data especially. Okay. Yeah, yeah. we use yeah. QuickBooks because of that. But, uh, yeah, inventory, I guess that would be an issue, yeah. I didn't. I never thought of that. We don't have any inventory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they have a bunch. This, these guys have a bunch of inventory. That yeah. They need to, you know, and that, that would be a big part of why you even use financial software. Is this is this is fun it. for you, isn't it? It's kind of nice to come out of retirement and do something modern and new. And yeah, I, mean, I was working in a, a large accounting department and a manufacturer with this whole IT structure that dictated how everything was done, no matter how much I thought it would could be done better. Yeah, you could do it better. Yeah. Azure is for yeah. sure the modern way to do this. I will I will take a look at that. Thank yep. you very much, sir. My pleasure. Thanks for calling. I've been everywhere, man. He's traveling all over the place. He is not Johnny Cash, but Johnny Jetstream. Our, uh, <laughs> I'm going to call you that from now on. He was Johnny Jet Ski because he was an avid jet skier, and then he decided travel was where he had to be, and now he's our travel guru. Johnny Jet tells us how to travel better with technology every week. Hi, Johnny. You're staying Hello, home Leo. for the uh, foreseeable future, I'm going to guess. I'm staying home for a few weeks. I just We're going to St. To Louis tomorrow, uh, Wednesday. Are you? Yeah, we have a client out there, and we have an event scheduled with him, and... Uh, you know, flying American, yeah, Southwest? no Southwest. Okay, so we were, you know, last week uh, there was a conference in San Francisco, RSA, IBM, a platinum sponsor, decided not to send any employees because everybody's worried about the coronavirus. But right. we were hosting a party with our sponsor, LastPass, on Wednesday night, and I didn't feel like I could bow out of that, so I went to a party. Uh, with people who are at a conference with people all over the world, and then I'm going to fly to St. Louis on an airplane. Who knows who's on that airplane? But I think the prudent thing to do, if you can avoid it, right, would be to, to not go anywhere for a while till we know what's I, going on. I don't know if that's the right answer. I, I mean, especially if, if you have little kids at home or elderly or, or you're um, around people who are sick. If you're over would, 60, I, diabetic, have high blood pressure, uh, heart problems, or respiratory problems, absolutely not. Don't go. I read a stat, don't go. The, the, the fatality rate for like people in their 80s was like 15%. For their 70s, it was uh, 8 or 9%. So it's definitely targeting more of the older people and people who have respiratory um, problems. But, but again, we're, I'm and not I a should doctor, say, we're not experts. So, we're not medical yeah, exactly. experts. But, but from a point of view, the travel, the travel industry is already starting to hurt, right? Oh, my God. It's getting crushed. And actually, there's a... 
the largest travel conference was taking place next week in Berlin, ITB Berlin, which I've been many times. Uh, they just canceled. And I had a feeling they were going to, but that's big time if they were going to do it. 180 countries go, over 10,000 people, and it is a, a, a huge thing for them to cancel. I, it just – every time I read hear the news, it makes me think like what's going on? They, do people know stuff that we don't know? Because you, know, you watch some news programs and they, they say it's just the flu is worse. So That's actually not – we now know that's not the case. Right. The the but. death the death rate is two percent of coronaviruses, which is ten times higher than the flu was. Uh, so or is so. The only reason more people die from the flu is more people get it, and that's just because it's been around longer. Who knows what's going to happen with coronavirus? And incidentally, it's. It, I know the president said, "Oh, don't worry, because this summer it's going to get hot and the virus will go away." Yeah. And now experts are saying, "Well, it might go away, but it'll probably be back next fall." Well, I don't know if that's true anyway, because look at Singapore. Singapore it's pretty has, hot uh, there. Yeah. <laughs> it's always Singapore's, 80 degrees. It's always like 90 degrees. Yeah. Um, so I don't so know. I don't know, I, I don't know about that. Uh, so, but honestly, I think it would be prudent not to travel unless you had to. Now, I have to. I wish we didn't have to. But I'm going to take precautions. You've always told me this. Wipe down all the surfaces with a... And leave it wet for 30 seconds with a, a disinfectant. I use some hospital wipes from Clorox that are designed to handle these kinds of viruses. Uh, if you can still find them in the stores. But I'm going to bring some on the plane. Wipe that down. Wash your hands frequently. That's the number one thing you could do for 20 seconds with soap. Um, yep. Hand sanitizer helps, but washing your hands is the best. Apparently, wearing a mask if you're healthy is not necessary. True. Um, so what? What I flew last week, and but so I'm not I gonna. Did, I want to wear a mask on the plane. Should no, I? you don't. You don't need a mask. Right, I'm gonna wipe it, everything it, it, down. It, it, unless you're sick, wipe it down before you eat. I mean, don't touch your hands. See, don't touch your face with your hands. But easier said but, than done. By the way, we but, everybody touches their face all the time, twice a minute in most cases. Uh, they do, but I mean, you, you have to make a conscious effort. And also, I notice, you know, when people are going to using the bathroom, I was sitting in the first row the other day, and. And I, they do what I would do, and I thought I was the only one that did it because I am kind of a germaphobe where I would take a, a, a tissue or a paper towel and open the door you handle. You should always do after that. After I wash my hands. Always do you that. Should. That door handle, you wash your hands and you touch the door handle. What have you done? Nothing. Yeah. I carry a handkerchief with me at all times, and I dry my hands on my handkerchief to save paper, and then I open the door with it, and I, I'm going to just where i mean i'm just, i don't know what to do but i just oh yeah yeah everyone just needs to calm down number one well but the people are starting to panic because my wife has been reading a lot of stuff and she's just stocked up on non-perishable things and I, and I you know what we live in california i think it's a good idea because there could be an earthquake don't don't do a run on the market but get a few you know get some bags of beans and some rice and stuff sure. and yeah but the guy but the guy who delivered it today said the number one thing that people are buying are those Clorox wipes. He goes, they're yeah. out. We can't, we can't get them anywhere. Yeah, that's, yeah. And I just happened to buy a whole bunch a couple of weeks ago at Costco just because I thought we were running low. Um, so my point is, you know, use, a, use precautions. You know, do stock up on some uh, yeah, non-perishable I mean, things. I, I, we have a pan pantry, so I keep a lot. Of, I have a 40-pound bag of corn in my pantry. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but if I had to make tortillas for the next two weeks, I guess I could. <laughs> and, and, and don't travel unless you have to do to um, you know, for going for work. And actually, the um, State Department has a pretty good map. It's called travelmaps.state.gov. Travelmaps.state.gov. So what this one does, um, there's a few different things on this one. This one, um, it shows you what the, tr the 
travel advisories are, but it will also show you where their embassies are. So if you're out of the country and, you know, the blank hits the fan, you know where to go to at least get some help. Or if you lost your passport or it's gotten stolen, which unfortunately has happened to uh, my wife once when we were traveling, um, we went to the Canadian embassy since she's Canadian. But it's, I mean, this is where you need to go if something happens. But before you go, do your research, find out. I mean, I just, I was just reading online when during the commercial saying that Trump is thinking about closing the Mexican border. Oh, I think he's been thinking about that for years. I, well, he, well, that's true, but <laughs> I, he just had a press conference, I guess, well, an hour ago. And travel, about travel to the countries uh, where coronavirus has broken, broken out, have, have been, has been curtailed. Um, I, I honestly think that we're, it's, it's, the problem is we just don't, we don't know much, do we? We, we no, just don't know. We don't, we don't know I'm, if it's going to turn into the worst thing ever. We just don't know. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of people who are traveling in a few weeks and uh, like myself and I say, just give it time. Don't cancel anything. Just wait and see what happens in the next couple of weeks. If you're traveling. Would you this- go on a cruise ship tomorrow? Yeah. I, I think My I fear is not the cruise ship not, Asia, not, not being Asia. able to get off. <laughs> Well, that is a fair. Uh, and I, actually, that's my next trip. I'm going on that Richard Branson's uh, cruise. You're going on the Virgin, a, uh, the new Virgin cruise ship, huh? The Scarlet the Mar- Lady. So, uh. but I would definitely be washing my hands. I wouldn't be going through the buffet um, without, you know, using hand sanitizer before and after um, I, I touch utensils and things like that. The irony is there are no confirmed cases in Mexico. So I think the president is just... <laughs> Making stuff up at this point. <laughs> I, I, I can't comment on that because I didn't watch the press conference, it's but like, I just. What? I was uh, you know, it's just. Maybe Mexico should close the border from us since we do have confirmed cases in the I, U.S. And I was actually thinking that if they heard that, they're probably, you know, jumping up and down saying that's great. Oh, Mexico does have. I, I apologize. I think Mexico have does have three I think cases. I, I, think I did yes. read three. Yeah, returnees um, from Italy, they were at a conference. These conferences are the scary things, aren't they? Well, and that's and that's why they canceled that ITB conference. And I think there's more. The Game I mean, Developers Conference was just canceled or, or put off till the summer. Um, yeah, I think that's, you know, Mobile World Congress was canceled. I have a feeling we're going to see more of that well, as well. Because those are breeding grounds. TBEX is in, in Sicily, Italy in two weeks. No, it isn't. And that is not canceled. No, it isn't. <laughs> I, no, you know, you know Rick, and I keep thinking that it's going to be canceled, but no, he says it it's not going to be. They say it's mm. not going to be canceled, but I just don't see it happening. Uh, there's a new phrase I've been using a lot: whistling past the graveyard, and uh, okay. that won't keep you from getting sick. I'm just going to say, uh, okay. yeah, I don't know. I, I, um, you know, the conferences where people are coming from around the world are a little bit scary. I would but- put off whatever travel you can, and as I said, I'm doing it. I would put it off. This is the time to get the deals. The deals are now. No, don't get deals. Stay home. Best time to travel. (laughs) Johnnyjet.com. He's writing all about it right there. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Get the deals. You'll save money. You know, and so what if you have a one in 50 chance of dying? Big deal. If you're saving 100 bucks. It's not that high. It is. It's 2%. It's one in 50. Again, it's 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 mostly the elder and people who are sick. So, Except for the thirty-year-old doctor who discovered it. Well, that is true. That does freak me out. So I know I shouldn't freak you but, out because you're who, you're already who, freaked but who, out. But who knows what really happened to him? And I, I don't know. Can you believe everything that's coming out of China? Can you believe China? anything that's coming out of the down. U.S.? No. That is that is true too. 
it's, it's tough to believe anything these days. So you got to go with your gut. And I should have told people that on the air. Go with your gut. If you if you think you don't, if you don't think you should go, don't go because you know what you're going to have a terrible I, time if I you go. I convinced Lisa not to go to the RSA conference, but In we still Texas. yeah, but we still had to do this party. And of course, everybody at the party had been to the conference, so I don't know if we gained anything by not. I don't know. I feel well, like take it, be safe. Why take well, a United, chance? United just canceled a lot of flights to Asia through April thirtieth. I think that's uh, closing the barn door after the horse has escaped. It's not restricted to Asia anymore. It's not. I mean, look at Italy. Italy is a problem. And here's the thing that's different from nineteen eighteen. We're all flying all over the place. We're traveling like crazy. Like that back then. Yeah. I know. I know. Um, and, and then I read a report about Hong Kong is now quarantined dogs because they say it could be transmitted from dogs. We I, are just, honestly, I feel like we're just at the beginning of the crazy season. It's I, It's going to get crazy. That's my opinion. It, it seems like it gets crazy every year, but this... It always seems like it's getting crazier and crazier. And this. Well, as Bill Gates said, you know, we've all, epidemiologists have been waiting for the 100 year virus. They know right. it's going to hit. And he's, as he said, this could be the one. Yeah. Did you read it? Did you read his article? Yeah. I, I tweeted it. Um, I just he did. Says he doesn't know if this is the one, but. Could be. You, 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 but you need to take the precautions that it could be. Of course. And I, and I agree with that. So it's always better to side with caution. That's why I could never understand why, how climate change is actually a political thing. I never could understand that because. Well, why not? Why not at least side with caution? Because. <laughs> you know, if, well, that's. A, is, I mean, in both cases, it's a big economic disruption. And no one wants to do it because after swine flu, everybody's saying, well, we shouldn't, you know, let's not go crazy. Let's not go crazy. It should not be politicalized. Politicalized. I agree. Politicized. I say the word. Politicized. 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 Anyway. I think. Um, stay healthy. Stay home. I'm staying home for a bit. And I think it's a wise idea. Yeah. Plus, I live in California. It was 83 degrees yesterday. In I LA. know. It's beautiful. 70 Beautiful. 68 today but no, we're I, going we're going downtown tonight going to eat downtown. downtown sf no downtown Petaluma. downtown it's a little okay. safer <laughs> oh i think we're downtown la I like, you better call me up <laughs> no if we were i would call you up no we're going all right, to enjoy san francisco all right be well yeah. stay healthy i want to talk to you next week i hope so see you john <laughs> bill gates the founder of Microsoft, who has of late become a kind of a world health guru because his Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is pumping millions of dollars into world health, things like childhood vaccines and eradicating diseases, writes a uh, opinion piece published um, yesterday in the Journal of American Medicine's New England Journal. I'm sorry, the New England Journal of Medicine, Nedjum. In which he says, um, in the past week, COVID-19 has started behaving a lot like the once-in-a-century pathogen we've been worried about. I hope it's not that bad, but we should assume it will be until we know otherwise. Now, when he says we, I think he's talking about public health officials. He's not talking about you and me. <clears throat> he's not talking about, uh, but it's something to be aware of. And I think uh, if you're making travel plans, if they aren't 
absolutely necessary. I don't know. If you plan a vacation next week, I don't know what to say, right? It's your decision. But uh, I think I might want to stay home. I don't know. What do you think? 8888-ASK-LEO. It is a technology story, isn't it? Uh <laughs> It is a it's a it's a health story, it's a technology story, it's a it's a politics story, and uh, I think we've all watched way too many episodes of The Walking Dead and other zombie apocalypse literature too. <laughs> that may may have also uh, given us a little bit of a scare. Maybe maybe we're overreacting. Elliot on the line from uh, Yorba Linda, California. Hi, Elliot. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, hi, Leo. Hey. Hoping, hoping you can help me out here. It's really confusing. I'm uh, in the market to buy a new PC. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, it is confusing. Yes. The core, Intel Core i7, Intel Core <laughs> i5. Let's back it up a little bit uh, <laughs> and talk about what you want this PC for. Okay. Well, uh, I use it for Word, watching movies, uh, surfing the Internet. Um, no gaming. That's good. That means you don't need a uh, what we call a discrete graphics processor, an NVIDIA or Radeon processor. You can use the very good these days built-in Intel graphics with the Intel chip. Okay. Um, Word, of course, means... Well, I mean, everything you said could be Mac or PC. It sounds like you're you're leaning towards Windows, though. Right, I've I've used Windows my own life. All my doc, most of my documents, I store on USB drives. I don't store it in the computer. I do that for security purposes. Well, uh, that none of that would change with a Mac. You can open all those documents with a Mac. The reason I, I just I have to say, Microsoft has totally bollocksed up Windows, and I and uh -huh. I I'm very unhappy for instance they pushed out an update a windows update uh just last week that deleted uh some not all but deleted some people's data completely deleted their user account and all its associated data that is an unacceptable thing no operating system ever should do that and when you use windows 10 in most cases you're required to install those updates there's no option to never install them. You can defer it, but you're required to install those updates. So that, to me, is a mess. Microsoft now admits that they no longer test these updates before they ship them out. Appalling. They used to have a whole team of testers, product testers. They fired them all some years ago. And we're seeing the, we're seeing the upshot. Uh, we've seen quite a few updates over the last two years that have been horrific for the end users. I feel like Microsoft doesn't deserve our trust at this point. They're doing great stuff in other areas. I think they're a good company, but I honestly feel like they don't care about Windows anymore because they see their future is in the cloud. And uh, that's Sachin Adela, their CEO's definite uh, bias. He came from the Azure sphere. They're downplaying Windows, and I think that they've made a mess of Windows. However, I know people love Windows because that's what you've used all your life. I just want to say it. I want to put it out there it, that it shouldn't be the default choice anymore. Folks, stop the insanity 
Uh, Macintosh is better, not 100% better, but better, less likely to get viruses and all that. Uh, I think there's a very credible operating system out there. It's what I use from now on. I mentioned I just bought a Dell, but I didn't buy a Dell with Windows. I bought a Dell with Linux on it because I don't want to use Windows. Um, and I think there are other good choices for people who don't have your needs. For instance, if you didn't have to use Microsoft Office, you just wanted to watch Netflix and do some web browsing and email, a Chromebook would be a very good choice, much more secure much more secure. However, I'm going to honor your desire for Windows. I understand that. It's what you know. It's what you're familiar with. Uh, and it, it, it's not for me to tell you. It's for you to discover <laughs> what a snake pit Windows has become. Well, but wait. Uh, that's why I, because I called you for advice, and I certainly am open to uh, switching to uh, everything to you described. You could do on a Mac, and would probably do it better. Now, Macs are more expensive generally because the hardware is better. Windows machines, you can get a good choice uh, of prices from four hundred, actually down below four hundred dollars, up to four thousand dollars, depending on the hardware. Uh, but Macintosh is you're pretty you know it starts at a thousand two hundred I think and it, and it's up from there. So if price is an issue, I understand Windows is 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 often the best choice. There's certainly more variety in the Windows hardware ecosystem. For what you just described, uh, I would perhaps look at a Lenovo two in one. The two in ones are nice because the hinge bends all the way around. This is something Apple's don't do. So that you can tent the laptop with the screen facing you. Great for movie viewing. It becomes a, like a little movie tablet. Okay. Uh, yeah, I really like that. And Lenovo makes a, a laptop called the ThinkPad Yoga that does that, that is superb. Excellent screens, OLED screens. Again, better screens than Apple offers. So in many respects, you know, the choices available to you in Windows hardware makes it a, a better choice than Apple. Um, Honestly, if you didn't have to do Word documents, uh, if you didn't have a lot of legacy Windows stuff, uh, a Chromebook might be a better choice. But let's get you let's get you a nice Windows laptop. I just I just recommend care and caution uh, using a, a Windows laptop. You can use Microsoft Word on on the uh, on the Apple. Yeah, and and Microsoft's. Honestly, again, as part of their kind of stepping back from Windows, used to be that was their profit margin, was all Windows and Office, have started making their stuff widely available. They've always made Microsoft Office available on the Mac. Now it's also available on the iPad, uh, Android. They're going to make their software tools much more available across the board. Satya Nadella has said, we want you to be able to use our stuff anywhere you are. Uh, on any platform. We want to go to our customers instead of making our customers come to us. So that is something that is changing at Microsoft. But uh, honestly, there's some very nice Windows laptops. I just bought a Dell. Let's get into the nitty-gritty because you were worried about the processors. Um, Intel processors have a good competitor with AMD. Often the AMD costs less with equivalent performance. I wouldn't stay away from a AMD. There's one little thing. Most AMD laptops don't have Thunderbolt because AMD processors don't natively support it. So that's something you might want to go with Intel for. Intel makes their processors in three levels, i3, i5, i7. I would recommend for most people an i5. The i7 doesn't have a whole lot of benefit over an i5. It does multi-threading, has a little bit bigger L2 cache. It's not much faster. i5 will give you better battery life. 
it will give you more than adequate performance for the things you just described. Uh, big hard drive is nice. Nice screen is nice because those are the things you're going to use a lot. The nice keyboard. I do like Lenovo's for that reason, but Dell makes, I just bought a Dell XPS. Those are very nice as well. I would say your three manufacturers are Dell, HP, and Lenovo. Those are the top three, and all three of them are very good. And above that, though, you would say the Apple is, if I'm willing to go to, to that, to, to that um, level of cost. It's a, hang on, because i got to take a break, but I'll talk a little bit off the air with you. It's really a personal choice. I don't, I don't want to throw you a curve and have you go use a Mac and go, oh, man, what did Leo get me to do? I don't like this at all because it will be very different, right? Okay. So I would just say you can, Windows is fine as long as you pay attention to security. Uh, that doesn't mean install an antivirus. It means don't, you know, be very careful about what you, links you click, what files you download. Do not send email attachments. Do not open email attachments, those kinds of things. There, there are ransomware examples in the Mac world, but they're very few and far between. It's endemic on the Windows world. Uh, it's everywhere, and it's a real problem in the Windows world. So that's, but but again, if, if you're careful, I don't, I mean, I've never had a virus on Windows. I've used it for 20 years. I've, in fact, the only virus I ever got was on a Mac, but that was about 30 years ago, but, but I haven't gotten one since. <laughs> so um, you can do, it's possible to use Windows safely. This thing about Microsoft's updates really worries me because it feels like quality control has really taken a dive. But you can set, you can kind of save yourself from that by not installing the updates immediately, but waiting to see if there are howls of pain and then installing if there aren't any. Um, as long as you keep it updated, you're careful about what you open, Windows is, is fine. And, you know, honestly, it's some of, somewhat of an uh, issue is somewhat of a personal choice, too. So I don't want to steer you well away. Wait, is battery life? Are you looking at a laptop or a desktop? Well, <clears throat> I use the PC as a desktop. I, I don't take it anywhere hardly ever. But you do want it so you could if you wanted to. Right. Yeah, so that's fine. Um, that means battery life isn't absolutely critical, right? Right. Uh, I honestly, now if keyboards are what matters to you, Lenovo's ThinkPads have the best keyboards. They're also built super tough, so they're the they're the ones. But they're also not super pretty. They look like you know they look like they're super tough. They're they're black business type machines. I happen to be a fan of Lenovo's. Yeah, that's what I've used for the past oh. Uh, five years. Oh, well, then I would stick with it. Lenovo has some okay. just announced some very nice new... I would stay with the ThinkPads. They make some less expensive ones, but the ThinkPads are the best. Okay. Uh, and, and they also are least likely to have additional junk wear on them and things like that. And they just announced a whole new line of ThinkPads. In fact, I don't even yet know the numbering system and all of that but if you go to lenovo.com you'll see them and i think they're all excellent i would get an i5 i would get at, uh, you're going to get an ssd and nobody puts spinning drives in laptops anymore thank goodness i would say 512 gigs is enough for most people but if you have a lot of stuff to store you can go up even higher that'll add to the cost uh if if you uh, how's your eyesight Oh, it's good. 
Okay. So um, you don't you can get they have some beautiful screens. They have OLED screens. They have uh, super high res 4K screens. I generally get just the the full HD FHD screens because I find they're adequate quality and the battery life is better. The fewer dots you're pushing, the less battery life is used. Um, So that's up to you, but they have a variety of them. The only negative on Lenovo's is you can't really see all of the models. There are some Lenovo's at various stores, but generally it's mail order. And so uh, you kind of have to take it on faith. Their X1 Carbon is thin, light, and very, very nice. Um, but I think you might like a yoga. I had a yoga. Uh, my daughter has it now for college, but I loved their yoga, the ThinkPad yoga. And that two-in-one uh, feature is really quite nice for if you're going to watch movies because then, then you just tent it and it's like a little – it's like a very nice screen. So I'm a, I'm a ThinkPad fan. I think that's probably a good way for you to go. What uh – just one last question. What's sure. the reason to get a touchscreen? Well, Windows supports it. Honestly, uh, it's I would not get a touchscreen. <laughs> it costs a lot okay. more. Uh, unless you know you're going to use the touch or a pen. Um, I don't think you need it. Uh, nowadays, most laptops, frankly, are touchscreens. But Lenovo does, you know, true to their business heritage, still sell quite a few uh, of their laptops, you can get a non-touch screen, and that'll save you money. Um, Great. No, I don't really use it. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. Um, What you want is the brightest screen, uh, and they measure that in nits. Typically, many screens are two to 300 nits. If you can get up to 500 nits or more, you're going to have a brighter screen, and that often carries with it a higher quality. That's, Got it. Yeah, that's something to be aware of. Uh, I would o- only get a screen that's 1080 uh, from top to bottom, 1080 lines top to bottom. That's full HD. They still sell some screens with lower resolution. I would not recommend those. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm looking at, let's see, the X1 Yoga. That, I think, has... Uh, the one I had had a, had a uh, OLED screen, which for watching movies is stunning. Yeah, all of those, uh, yeah, you don't need the touch screen. I, I think you'd save yourself some money, unless you know. But I'm looking, and it looks like they all have touch screens, unfortunately. Oh, and, and I would get a minimum 8 gigs of RAM, but I would I would go for 16 gigs if you can, if you can afford it. Okay. That'll give you a little bit better performance. Got it. I think it's fine right. to go with Windows. Just, man, I just they're making me mad. I just wish they would get their quality... <laughs> control uh, improved i don't understand it just don't understand well it. just have to it has to impact their business and right it does they, they don't, don't care anymore they and don't i care, right. and i suppose i should mention microsoft's own surface books i don't like these they're good for watching movies they have a detachable keyboard that because it's detachable in my opinion is not as good as like a lenovo keyboard but it may not bother you those you could go and look at in a store um, they're tablets with a detachable keyboard. Those are the Surface Pros. They make very nice screens, and they're all touch. Okay. I don't want to throw you a curve there, though. To me, if you've used Lenovo, go with Lenovo ThinkPad. And take a look at their X1 Yoga. That is a superb laptop. Got it. Okay. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank okay. you. Take care. Take care.
Well, hey, 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 how are you today? Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. Time to talk computers, the internet, home theater, digital photography, smartphones, smartwatches, and all that jazz. 8888-ASK-LEO is the phone number. 888-827-5536. That's toll-free from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. We have a great website, uh, techguylabs.com. That's free, open to all. That's where you Windows users can go and yell at Leo. Because it does no good to yell at the radio. Maybe it makes you feel a little better. TechGuyLabs.com. Um, I still, I mean, we use Windows at work. We use our editors uh, for the video editing, use Windows. Uh, our business office, of course, uses Windows. Um, and, and I think that's one of the issues for Windows is it's really designed to be used in a, uh, with an IT department, with, some, with support, with, um, you know, protection. It's not. Des I don't think Windows for Home is a good idea. I really don't. Uh, unless you want to be the IT department. Maybe in a nutshell, that's the way. I used to say Windows for Work, Mac for Home. Nowadays, I have to kind of extend that. If you want real security and simplicity, a, a Chromebook based on Google's Chrome OS or an iPad based on Apple's iOS is also a very good choice. But they're more limited. If you need a full... The real issue is... A full-service, general-purpose computing device, you know, they're designed to do anything you want, including run all the viruses you could possibly find. That's the nature of a full-general-purpose full, purpose, full general purpose device. It's powerful. And uh, for years, that's the only choice you had. If you wanted to use a computer, you had to use one with a general-purpose operating system on that. Fortunately, that's not the case anymore. Unfortunately, we're all kind of in that default, well, it's got to be Windows or Mac mode. But most people don't need a general purpose operating system. With great power comes great responsibility. If you have a general purpose operating system, then it it behooves you to protect yourself, to learn how to keep yourself secure. You become your IT department. And that's on Mac too. That's also a general. Anything that's designed to run anything is going to be at risk. Apple's trying to respond to this a little bit by locking down the Mac more and more. Unless uh, you have some secret skills, which if you take the time, you can learn. Uh, starting this summer, Macs won't run software at all that isn't notarized by Apple. The developer has to arrange a certificate with Apple and has to submit their application for notarization by Apple. And that will protect you because rogue programs are not going to do that. Apple's That's a good move, I think. The problem is that makes that less of a general purpose computer, doesn't it? The good news is if you know the command line uh, command to unlock your Mac, you can still do that. And I hope that that will always be the case because there are those of us who want general purpose operating systems. We're writing our own software. We want to be able to run programs from a variety of sources, that kind of thing. But increasingly... Mac OS is becoming like iOS. You know, on, I, on iOS, on an iPhone or an iPad, you can only run software Apple approves. It has to be in the Apple Store, and you can only use it from the Apple Store. Apple's slowly moving Mac OS in that direction. And, well, if you've been listening to this conversation, you know why. It locks it down. Microsoft can never do that. They don't want to do that. 
they kind of do actually. In fact, they've they've announced a new version of. Well, they announced a version last year of Windows called Windows S that would only run apps from the App Store. Nobody wanted it. Now they're working on something new called Windows X that will, I think, uh, at least attempt to be more secure by locking the operating system down more, restricting what you can do. But for most people, that trade-off is more security with less flexibility, and I think most people will be happy with that. Meanwhile, uh, for those who just you know want to be safe, simple, get things done, iPad or, Google or Chrome OS are very, very good choices. And for most people, that's enough. Increasingly, as we move towards a cloud-centered universe, that's going to be the case, I think. 8888-ASK-LEO, that's the phone number, line two. Jay in Lompoc, California. Hi, Jay. Oh, hi, Leo. Uh, that's Lompoc. Lompoc. I know, I always say it wrong. Lompoc. Uh, W.C. Fields pronounces it Lompoc. Well, well, after all, I feel a certain akin, a kinship to W.C. Fields. Yeah, if you Lompoc. ever get a chance to see the, see the bank dick. That, that Does he mention Lompoc? Lompoc? <laughs> That's probably where I got the pronunciation. I love the bank dick. <laughs> yeah. What, so, can I, what can I do for you? You kind of stole my thunder. Uh, I got that update, and it... Uh, Did that happen to you? It seriously messed up uh, my Windows 10, which was um, originally a Windows 7 machine. And I've got another computer uh, in, a, in, a, in a, my studio that is uh, a Windows 8 originally and was upgraded to Windows 10. Both machines uh, operate a little differently, but it, uh, it ruined some of my programs. And I went back to my uh, uh, backups and tried to reinstall the program and then put the backup in there, but it's it's evidently treating these programs differently in the way they operate. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, are they older programs, like pretty old? Well, um, let's see. One is DVD Fab, and oh yeah, I like that. I had to, I had to reinstall that, uh, but the way that it saves files now is, is different. Um, Let's see, what else did I have in here? Um, so Microsoft, uh, you know, uh, on the one hand, I mean, Microsoft is kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. They've always had this tradition of supporting old stuff, like not changing things. Because in business, you have lots of old software you can't get rid of. You have to use it. So Microsoft's really, they call it legacy software. Microsoft's really done a good job of preserving legacy compatibility. But that comes at a price. It makes... Windows much more complicated. There, there, there are lines of code in Microsoft Windows that are specific to one program to make sure it continues to run. And there's lots of those in Windows. You know that oh, if if you're running DVD Fab, okay, we'll do then. And they put this in the Windows operating system. Everybody gets it. There's also um, you know I mean that's a problem. There's also a, another problem with supporting legacy, which is you often can't move forward, particularly in security. So Apple, which is a little has a little bit different relationship with old software, for instance, in its newest operating system, Catalina, said, hey, 32-bit programs won't run anymore. Bye-bye, which is annoying a lot of people. It's keeping a lot of people from upgrading. They say, well, I, don't, I, I can't. There is no 64-bit version of, of this peach tree accounting. I, I, I can't use it anymore. 
So the, the one that really uh, disturbed me was Flight Simulator. The last good right. build on that was 2004. Right. I have to keep this old XP machine running because <laughs> don't run on anything else. R Microsoft has re-released their Flight Simulator. You know, there's a new 2020 version. Yeah, but don't you have to have good internet because it's like... A, yeah, yeah, you probably yeah, I do. Can't, I can't. I just got DSL here. I yeah, it's probably cloud-based, yeah. So this is so this is the problem, and I feel for Microsoft, but I understand why it's a problem. Is that there are a lot of people like you that don't want to, you know, move forward in time, uh, that want to keep using Windows, and Microsoft wants to do support you, but at the same time they want to move forward, particularly when it comes to security. So they're caught between a rock and a hard place, and it's not unusual for Microsoft to break something with an update. Now the worst the worst thing to do would be to late people's data and that's that's the bug that came that happened last week uh, with one of their hot fixes and that's unacceptable. But in your case maybe they warned the developer they said look we're not going to this is old we can't support it anymore or as in the case of their own flight simulator they said well we're just not going to work it's not going to work on Windows 8. You know. Now, would it have helped if I had a restore point cuz I no. uninstalled the this is another problem. Uh, uh, people rely on Microsoft Windows restore points. First thing, by the way, malware does is modify the restore point. <laughs> so I think counting on a restore point to get you back in time, it, it, I wouldn't count on it. Sometimes it does work. And when it does work, that's great. Yeah, or well, you can't find it. Yeah. Yeah, it says you don't have a restore point. Well, there you go. That's why I wouldn't rely on it. <laughs> it's 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 an unreliable system, alas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you can you have to turn them on in Windows 10, uh, otherwise it won't make any restore points. So that that's one issue. <sighs> I'm sorry. I just it's hard for me to help people with Windows 10 because I feel such a a gut level reaction to it it just makes me so mad that microsoft does such a poor job but uh, but on the other hand i kind of understand how hard it is for them because they're supporting uh hist a history of 30 years you know and um it's hard it's hard to do that and still be modern i don't i just don't know what the uh, answer is for you i would suggest going to the websites for any programs that don't work like dvd fab going to the website Checking compatibility, checking if there's a newer version, um, and, and if there is, then maybe you'll be okay. Because that's sometimes what happens is with advances in the operating system, older versions of programs get broken. So check uh, if DVD. I don't even know if DVD Fab is in active development. Where you get in trouble is when a program is no longer in active development. Like man, what what was the accounting software? <laughs> uh, it was a it was a very pop, I, don't, I don't know if it's Peachtree. There's a very popular accounting program for Windows that uh, when when or for I guess it was for was it Macintosh? It was Macintosh. They said, "Well, we're just not going to support the new version because we'd yeah I think it was because um, they said, "Well, Catalina, the newest version, is requiring us to go to 64-bit, and we can't. We've tried. <laughs> We've been trying for years." Uh, account edge i think it was that was it <laughs> the uh company that develops it priority software says we we can't make account edge work with the new mac os we've been trying for years 
We've never been able to figure it out. I don't know why that's so hard, but I guess it, they can't. So, <laughs> wow, you know, but that happens. That happens. Myself, Leo Laporte. I got a record collection and a mirror. <laughs> and I got Lady Laura, our fabulous musical director. So I'm not really dancing with myself. 8888 asked Leo, thanks to you, thanks to your calls. Bill in Seattle, Washington. Hello, Bill. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, Leo. I think I've changed what I was going to ask you about while I was on hold. <laughs> you, you, you heard our conversation, and now you have a new idea. Well, I was going to ask you about getting some files that I've taken with my Pixel, little Pixel phone. Yeah. Uh, to my to my Mac, I was having some trouble getting large files. Oh. Backed up using Google Photos because it wants to downres them. Does it downres the video, the movies too? Yes. Now it used to be with the Pixel that you would get unlimited original quality storage. Right. You and got it for a year, but I think it's gone now. And the latest, the Pixel 4, they didn't offer it. Yep. How yep. annoying is that? It is. <laughs> well, the, what I've decided I want to ask you about is is a project I'm about to take on. My family has a collection of 35-millimeter slides that my dad took over his lifetime. Oh, nice. About 30,000 slides. Oh! About to... <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so job one is to cull those because you, whether you're doing it yourself or you're sending it out, thirty thousand's untenable. Do you want every one of them? It's that's the hard thing is to you know, go through them and decide whether I know it is, isn't it? So we had uh, we had about ten carousels. Remember the old Kodak carousels? My mom had those in her closet. And we kept fighting over it, like, Mom, I want to have a slideshow. Because my whole family, we always took slides. And we'd have slideshows every every six months or whatever. We'd break out the slide projector and the screen and have a slideshow. I always liked that. But it isn't a practical, it's not a practical medium, is it? <laughs> so I, I, my sister took all the carousels in to a service bureau. They cleaned them up. They scanned them. And they put them on a, a DVD, and, and then the nice thing about that is everybody has a copy now. In fact, I stored my copy on the cloud so everybody can access it, so they don't even have to have the DVD. They could just get the photos from the cloud and get prints if they want. Um, the reason we use a service bureau is you need special hardware to scan slides. Uh, a normal scanner bounces light up against a picture and then off the picture into a camera, but with a slide, you, you do that, you're not going to get anything. You have to pass light through the slide. So the light has to be on top of the scanner and the camera below it. There are scanners that can do that. Epson makes one that is designed for that. In fact, they even have, you know, I have that one. Uh, and it had a little caddy and you could put six slides in it, scan them. But that's six slides. That means you're going to have to do this 5,000 times. And it's going to take a minute or two for each time you do the math <laughs> it's yeah, what i'm about to put the trigger on here is a retrofitted kodak carousel projector oh from, from slidesnappro.com so this is a good way to do it so it's going to project it and you're going to take a picture of it with my sony 
much better, much faster way to do it. I don't know if quality's better, but it'll be fine. That's a much faster. It's the only tenable way to do thirty thousand photos. How many carousels is that? It's like thirty. 40. Oh, at least. 60. Yeah. There's boxes that aren't even in carousel. Oy, yeah, I think that's, if you're going to do it yourself, that's the only reasonable way to do it. And honestly, it would be prohibitively expensive to send it to a service bureau. So, yeah, I think that's a good solution. Project it, shoot the, shoot the screen. <coughs> the, the, the drawback is, <coughs> and it's really kind of dependent on the screen, does it cut? Does this device come with a screen? Hello. No. 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 So it just projects it, and then it's up to you to set up your camera and, and point it at the screen. It's a macro lens, right aimed right into the projector. Oh, perfect. So there's no screen. All right. Well, that's good. You're eliminating one area where it could be lower quality. I think that sounds fine. What's the name of it? Snap. <laughs> Pro. Slide Step Pro. I think that's a great idea. And a whole lot faster. That means you can take a picture a second. Sure. Oh, it's three thousand four hundred ninety five dollars. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it should be. I can make a business out of this after I'm done. <laughs> you can you can start your own service. This actually looks like a very good way to do this. Uh so it has does it come with a carousel or do you have to have one? It, it comes with one, but they will take your old one that's in your closet for, in trade. So that oh, nice. New one. Oh, nice. Yeah, I like the And so you're, you, you, and you, of course, you provide the camera. So all it really is is the lens. Right. That's all I'm going to have to purchase on top of this is the micro lens that, that, that's on the Sony camera body. Yeah, this, I mean, in theory, I haven't used this, so I can't say, but in theory, this is the, is, Probably a short of buying a, you know, a Nikon slide scanner, which would probably be the best. But th essentially, that's what the slide scanner is doing. You're do you're kind of manually doing what a slide scanner does automatically. But it takes it almost instantaneously, right? Than, uh, right. Slow speed a scanner, yeah. Right. Well, these 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 Nikon slide scanners are pretty quick. So um, yeah, but this is doing two seconds of an image. Says you in an eight-hour day you can do half of your slides. <laughs> so my ultimate goal here is to take this a step further and have this collection have metadata attached to it, so that when we're sitting there watching the pictures, it listens to the smart speaker and adds tags to the slide. Oh, what a great idea! So you can so you can talk. You can sixty-seven in Colorado on vacation. Yeah, so you can talk, and it would add the audio to it. Or just add tags to it so that they're sortable or right. searchable later on. Right. Watch the slides can add more information, make it more valuable for the people that watch it later on. That is going to be an interesting project. Do you have some ideas about how to tackle that? Well, you know, the uh, the facial recognition software that's built into Google Photos kind of does that already, but yeah. I wish they would give us some hooks for being able to add more information. Say, you know, if I know that this whole box of pictures was taken in 1972, right? to go ahead and put that in a folder and have that be a searchable. <clears throat> there are a lot of uh, programs to do that kind of thing because photographers do that all the time. Batch tagging and that kind of thing. Lightroom will do it. Um, fast raw viewer will do it. I've used that. Um, what's the program? 
Well, I wish I could remember the name of it that I've used. There are a number of programs designed specifically to make it fast to add tags. And you can do batch. You can select it, which obviously you'd want to do. It's like all the pictures from our trip to the beach, select them all and write, you know, 1965 Brighton Beach kind of thing on there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's an easy thing to do because that's basically uh, any photo management program will do that. I've used, what is the name of it? Photo Mechanic, that's the one I've used for this. I would look at that um, because it's designed to give you on screen. It's an image browsing program that allows you to do mass tagging, basically. And you could try it free for 30 days. Photo Mechanic. I've used that. I've had good results with it. Got to run. <laughs> That's the shortest version of Love Shack I ever heard. The 30-second version. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. <laughs> we call it the Leo Shack here. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number. 888-827-5536. One of the things our, our last caller was interested in doing, Bill wanted to, uh, well, <laughs> uh, he has 30,000 slides he wanted to scan. He's He's found a product I have not tried but looks really good, not cheap. The Slide Snap Slide Scanner at slidesnappro.com, uh, which will take, uh, you know, adapt a Kodak carousel to a special projecting thing that'll project into a macro lens. You can attach your camera and macro lens to it, and then uh, they say you can do 14,400 slides in an eight hour day. <laughs> you do nothing else <laughs> so uh it wouldn't take him too long to get through those thirty thousand slides that's the only practicable way to get through thirty thousand slides but then he said well i want to and he said this off the air so i'm repeating it now so i you get the benefit of it i want to tag these and i want to do mass tagging in some cases some cases i want to say that's mom and dad in front of the house in 1922 but in some cases I want to take a whole batch of pictures. Oh, that's our trip to the beach in 1965 and just tag them all 1965 Brighton Beach. Um, the program I've used and I, I recommend, there are a lot of programs that will do this. This is something that um, almost all photo library management programs will do. Remember Picasa? That was such a great program. That would have done it. But the one I use lately that's modern and kept up to date and very fast is called Photo Mechanic. And it's really designed to take digital photos and organize them and manage them and 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 tag them. I think it's a very good program. A lot of pros use it. There is a 30-day uh, trial. It comes from a company called Camera Bits. And uh, I, it's not uh, free and it's not cheap, but it's not super expensive either. I think it's – my memory is around 100 bucks. I'll have to check. But I found that to be a very good power tool for managing a lot of uh, a lot of pictures mac or windows photo mechanic from camerabits.com so we'll we'll put that in the show notes let me just check what the price is here on the website cuz i want you to be prepared if it's very expensive $139 well i think well worth it especially since you're spending $3000 on the slide snap scanner they may come i wouldn't be surprised if they came with some software that'll do that, because clearly if you're scanning thousands of slides, you need some sort of management tool. They may even well come with a version of a photo mechanic. Wouldn't be surprised. 
It's a great project. We're all facing this these days, right? <clears throat> Generally, I just say it's so much work unless you're retired and have lots of time on your hands. That's one to send to a service bureau, let them do all the work. But with 30000 it's going to cost you a pretty penny. It's going to cost you maybe ten grand to do that. That's a lot. Be cheaper to buy a thing and, and, and faster to buy a thing like this uh, slide snap, slide scanner. I'm not familiar with it, Bill. Thank you for the uh, sharing that information. <clears throat> As for um, his first question, which we, did, we did kind of gave short shrift to, wh what do I? How do I get full quality 4K videos off my phone? He has a Pixel, but and he could take the pictures, but uh, he can't get you know. Google Photos won't won't store them at its full quality. Uh, I think that's a case of getting another service and using their app. I don't know if Flickr will upload 4K. I think they will. Flickr has an app. I use Smug Mug. I know they'll take 4K, and you have to buy a Smug Mug account, but the app is free. Uh, you may find there are uh, photo services like. Um, Snapfish or um, Shutterfly. I don't do they. I wonder if you can do video at Shutterfly. I like Shutterfly, and they they're going to make their money on the prints, so they have a free free storage. It might be worth looking into it. I they may not do video because I don't. You can't really print a video, can you? But that's one way maybe to do it uh, for free. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Ask Leo. Dick DeBartolo, the Gizwiz, coming up. Meanwhile, uh, let's say hello to Timmy in Oak Hills, California. Hi, Timmy. Hey, Leo. Thanks, as always. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing good. I uh, took your advice and uh, got an iDrive account. I'm going to set it up on Monday. Good. Uh, right, Our sponsor. Right I have your yeah, great. <clears throat> and right now, I, I have your typical USB external drives that are both uh, extra storage and also backing up by computer itself. My computer itself is about a terabyte with the two with the two uh, SSD drives, but my question is: up up until now, I've been using a free program that's really cool. It's, it's called File Synchronizer. I think it's by Latshaw Systems. So, for instance, if I have my music files on my on my laptop or pictures or documents, and I want to back them up to my external USB, I just run the program, and it does that type of sync, not nice. a, device, a device sync. But you know, it'll it'll delete the the, the ones that have been deleted and. Uh, put the new ones on there so the folders become identical uh, on both. I, I I do the very similar thing, not with that program, but I think that's a very good kind of backup. I like that kind of backup because you can look at the backup and see if it's all there. You can even open files to make sure it worked. Sometimes Correct. backup programs put it in one big blob and you don't know what's in there. And yeah, you can count files and all and file size and all that. Yeah, because you're basically duplicating the folder, and a smart sync will make sure it doesn't make extra copies. Uh, you know, and you can choose whether to delete deletions. If you delete the original, do you delete the backup? I suggest not, uh, right. but you can choose that. So that's nice too. Right, the yeah, echo recycle bin or whatever. Yep. My question is, how how would I use that 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 type of system with iDrive? In other words, no, you I don't. Is it possible to do anything like that, or do I have to, anytime I make, uh, say, a, a, a large music folder uh, change, uh, like a in effect, that's device. what iDrive's doing. So, I, the iDrive software, when you change a file or add a file to that photo, photo folder, it's not backing up the whole folder every time. It's only backing up changes. It is that's a synchronizer. Yeah. Yeah. 
Otherwise, it would use too much of your bandwidth. So all, all, all cloud backup is essentially the same, where it will have to do an initial seeding where it backs up everything because it doesn't have anything yet. In fact, right. yeah, we, there are some companies, Wasabi does this, where you can they'll actually send you a hard drive. You put everything on it, and that's the fastest way to seed it. iDrive doesn't do that, but they do have a very... They have a special high-speed seeding initially, but you can count on, depending on the amount of data, a week or two or sometimes months before it's all fully backed up. But then after that, it only backs up the changes. So that's very quick. So it'll, it'll back by changes, it'll mean file deletions and or additions? No, and you don't want with a backup, you do not want deletions to propagate because one of the reasons you have a backup is in case you accidentally throw something out. Okay. So what, what would I do then, like, let's say it, it goes to, uh, let's just call it a general music folder, and it, it detects a bunch of changes tonight, but it keeps the ones, it, it keeps adds, adds my old ones, it, yeah. I just, I just wait for a week, and then I delete the previous version when I'm satisfied? Yeah. How it, Although, remember, and I always have to tell people this, it's not a backup if there's only one copy, even if it's on iDrive, even if it's on a hard drive labeled backup. <laughs> You, yeah, you got to have at least two copies if it if it's backed up. Ideally, you want three, and so be very careful about deleting originals. A lot of times, people say, "Oh, it's all backed up. I'm going to delete the originals." Well, now it's all resting on iDrive shoulders or that external drive shoulders. If you've got an external drive locally and you've got a cloud backup, that's two. That's pretty good. Three's better because sometimes both things fail weirdly. So it depends how valuable this stuff is. Music, who cares? But uh, well, what's well, my personal music though? The oh, music, well, so. stuff you make. If, if it's that's where you really want to be careful. It's only stuff that you only have access to. You don't want to mess with that, obviously. Well, how how I have it set up is my my two terabyte external drive that I'm going to uh, sync with uh, iDrive. That is also backed up at the house by two additional. Perfect. Uh, so you have so three copies. You have four copies. That's good. Three copies, two different places, one in the cloud. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Love to hear percussion. <laughs> and I love to hear Dick D. Bartolo, Mad's maddest writer and the gizmo wizard, or Gizwiz, as we know him. He joins us every week from his lair at Disneyland, where uh, he is collecting all sorts of weird gizmos and gadgets to show off some of the latest. Hi, Dickie D. Leo, how you doing, pal? I am great. How are you? I'm good. I'm very good. Now, Thank you're in you. a big city, surrounded I by millions of people, coughing, sneezing, wiping their noses, um... And that's on a good day. <laughs> Spitting on the sidewalk. Are do you oh are you going to stay inside now? What are you going to do? Uh, no, so far I have not made any uh, plan changes. You wash. So. You obsessively wash your hands anyway. Not obsessively, but I do wash them. <laughs> uh, what's today? Saturday. I don't wash them today. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. So tomorrow I will. Would you go on the subway? Uh, yes. Really? Oh, yeah, you would not? No. Oh, my Because how do you, when you ride the subway, uh, how do you right. keep from falling over? Um, you grab something. Uh, no, I have a condom on my head. <laughs> you grab the strap oh, or I you see, grab yeah, the so, bar yeah. 
and you know, then you've got schmutz on your hand, and then maybe a minute or two later, you go, "Oh, my eye itches." You go, "Oh, now you got oh, it." Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, you know what? Now I'm glad Mad closed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a breeding ground of something. Otherwise, I'd have to go down there. Yeah, now stay home. Just yeah. this is a good time to stay home. Okay. So, um, what is it for us that you have today? Okay, well, I did not pay attention to what you just said because I went for several days to Toy Fair. What? At the Javits Center. Um, Toy Fair is a lot of fun and hard to resist. And I I found two gadgets that I thought were uh, a a lot of fun. One of them them is great for your backyard, Leo. The the company is called Big Mouth. And they make what they called humongous sprinklers. Oh, I like that. And the one that is a humongous sprinkler. Well, it's the one that I saw at at the uh, Javits Center. I thought was great. Was the nine foot giraffe sprinkler? Oh, so it's a inflatable thing. An inflatable thing that you hook a hose up to. Uh, at first, I saw a six-foot fire hydrant. And I said, what do you need a six-foot fire hydrant? Yeah, no. <laughs> and, and, and the guy said, well, we also have a five-foot dog. So uh, I so like this great. idea because kids love to play in the sprinkler. Yes, yes. So the hydrant not only shoots uh, water out the sides, but it has a spinner on the That's top. That's what you need. You want to spray around as much water as a- possible. Exactly. Yeah. And then there's a snake. Oh, and look at that. The, yeah. The, the, the guy told me from two years ago that the unicorn was a monster seller and is oh, yeah, still for on little Amazon. girls' birthday yes, parties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and the uh they're reasonable. They're fifty to sixty dollars. The unicorn I saw on Amazon today is like forty nine dollars. Now does, so it, does so it, I guess they didn't give you a thing. chance to dance around in the water at the Javits Center. <laughs> no, no. <clears throat> I think they would have frowned upon that. Yes. So you don't know. I mean, how does it come out? Is it? Do you have to have a lot of water pressure? Uh, well, you should have, you should have decent water pressure. Uh, the giraffe shoots out the giraffe's mouth. The unicorn comes out the unicorn's horn. But the fire hydrant comes out a lot of places. It comes out each place a hose theoretic, theoretically would hook up, and it comes out the sprinkler. I think you'd want uh, enough uh, power to to spritz it around, right? Oh yeah, enough, you know, in New York City, we, that that would that would be perfect. Yeah. That would be perfect. Wouldn't that be fun? Now, you need a big backyard yeah. too. Yeah, and, I do. Actually, I do. Yeah. yeah, children who are willing to get wet. Yes, <clears throat> and adults who are willing to yeah. get wet. Yeah. Um, and then I found something kids would enjoy called the Mega Cyborg Hand. Ooh. And this is a kit from Thames and Cosmos that make these great kits. And this one they already had built. It's 200 pieces. But what's great about this is you put your hand in it, teaches kids hydraulics. And then using... Oh, that's one your, of my favorite gospel songs. Oh, what, the hydraulic? Put your hand in the hand of the hydraulic hand. No, oh, I, I, yeah. no, maybe not. Is it no, is it no. going to crunch your bones? No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. Ah, you grabbed, go it grabbed and, your and, microphone. And pick, pick, up, pick up things. <laughs> oh, that's fun. I could see a kid would love that. Yes, exactly. And and then he said, and if you're a lefty, the thumb unplugs and goes to the other oh, side of the Oh, how thoughtful, because I am a lefty. Yeah. 
Oh, okay, That's great. That's very thoughtful it, of them. It, it's coming out, uh, I think he said in, in early summer, uh, $39.99. So it, it's, I think kids would like that. And you too. have to build it, which is good. That you have to build. Yeah, no, it's I like great. that because that makes the kid, keeps yeah. the kid busy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And out of the way. <laughs> you, the uh, the inflatable things, you just use a hairdryer or a compressor to fill them You up. must have so much fun at Toy Fair. That sounds like a great event. I, I really just do. toys, I, as far as the eye can see? You know what? Uh, ABC, you know, uh, sent a, a camera person. And, and at the press room, the woman says, now, do you want all the facts and figures of the toy industry? <laughs> yeah, and, sure. And, and I said, no, <laughs> basically, they're sending another reporter for that. <laughs> they just say, Dick, roam through Toy Fair and give us five minutes of whatever strikes your fancy. How fun. So, yeah, so that's a fun thing to do. So those <clears throat> those are not your usually one, usual one-take theater videos that you have on your website this is uh, on my yeah. professionally well, then, shot exactly exactly dennis comes down and we shoot the one uh, take theater stuff i love those yeah yeah uh, but abc they're a little more serious <laughs> that's two take theater for you <laughs> yes exactly if necessary and when will we see this world news now segment? uh actually this is going to run uh going to run monday morning on uh, world news nice. now if you watch world news now look for our gizwiz dick d bartolo and if you want to know more about these gadgets he's got a web page devoted to it. <clears throat> Dick's website is gizwiz.biz, G-I-Z-W-I-Z dot B-I-Z. And if you click the button that says the Gizwiz visits the tech guy, it'll take you to the page. There's links, there's video, there's lots more. So if you want to get these, including Amazon uh, links in most cases, so you can get those. Uh, Dick also has a really fun contest, the What the Heck Is It contest. There. Ending in a few hours. Oh, right. This is the end of the month. <laughs> leap yeah. day. You got one extra day because of leap, leap day. day. I know. Alfred E. Newman tweeted today, <clears throat> why did they call it leap year? I suddenly find out I have one day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that. Uh, do you run the Alfred E. Newman account? Someone very close to Alfred does, but I'm ah. not allowed to reveal the name. <laughs> ah. He has uh, kind of a record as Mad's Maddest Writer for more than five decades, and you will find lots of good stuff about Mad Magazine on the website, too, including his uh, memoir, Good Days in Mad, which is a great read. But do play the What the Heck is a Contest. You have to leave until midnight tonight to figure out what this close-up is of a gizmo or gadget. Identify it right. You get in the running for a autographed Mad Magazine. But honestly, there's more Mad Magazines for those who get it wrong, but in a clever, witty fashion. Rules and details at gizwiz.biz. Don't forget Dick's fabulous podcast, The Gizwiz Show at gizwiz.tv, now in its 15th year. That's remarkable. Wow. It kind of is, that's, isn't it? Yeah, that's a long yeah. time. That a person without a good education can do that? <laughs> Don't say that about me. I did my best. <laughs> I, and I thank you. Grade school you, wasn't easy. You got it started. You thank got you, the Gizwiz show started. Thank, so thank you, Dickie you, D. Have okay, a wonderful buddy. day. Enjoy the weather in uh, Disneyland. I'm staying inside. <laughs> yeah, but whatever you do, don't take the subway. <sighs> Our time is up, Lady Laura. Thank you for the music today. Thank you, Kim Schaffer, for answering the phones. <clears throat> Most of all, thanks to you for being here. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for listening. We do this show uh, out of true love and for money. And uh, if you didn't listen, I'd get neither. So please, come back again. We'll do it all over again. I'm Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Have a great geek week. Well, that's it for the Tech Guy Show for today. Thank you so much for being here. 
And don't forget, TWIT, T-W-I-T. It stands for This Week in Tech, and you'll find it at twit.tv, including the podcasts for this show. We talk about Windows on Windows Weekly, Macintosh on MacBreak Weekly, iPads, iPhones, Apple Watches on iOS Today, Security and Security Now. I mean, I can go on and on and on. And, of course, the big show every Sunday afternoon, This Week in Tech. You'll find it all at twit.tv. And I'll be back next week with another great Tech Guys show. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you next time.